Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roll Better podcast. Um, I am Matthew Doran. I'm joined by Daniel Adams, Barry Hingel. And on the line, we have lead writer and games developer of Steamforge Games, Sherwin Matthews. How are you doing, Sherwin? I'm at least reasonable. How are you guys doing? We're, we're, doing, we're very hot in Matthew's flat because we have to keep the window closed because otherwise you can hear the traffic of the A23 and then it's loud. So we're sweating like pigs, mm. but we're very excited to speak to you. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, the, this is our second interview, so we're actually I'm pretty excited, and this is this is all about background, which I'm very very excited Indeed. about. Which we should mention is exactly why John's not here. <laughs> so John is aware of the background as a concept. He's aware that there is story. I think he knows the background questions required to pass the pundit test. <laughs> no, because I had to help him with some of those. I mean, no, I didn't. Though. It's not rigged. <laughs> he was just like, oh. Oh, there were so many that he was just like, oh, this seems about reasonable. But yeah, so this this wasn't his his wheelhouse, um, so he's uh, he's bailed out for this one. Um, but we've got a long list of questions to go through, and hopefully uh, most of them. I know there are some that we just sort of we we thought we'd try our luck with and definitely can't be answered. So I think Absolutely. most of those have come out now. All <laughs> um, right, that's that's just, that sounds fun. Yeah, exactly. So we'll ignore those. But um, John's question is actually first. I'm, I'm just going to jump straight into this. Yeah, we have to... Oh, no, actually, we, we before promise. we do anything, Sherwin, what have you been up to hobby-wise? Oh, yes. So, that's a good question. I've just got back from Gen Con, where I played a whole bunch of Resident Evil with some people, uh, which went pretty well. Um, especially IGN, they seem to really like it, which is cool. Um, oh, nice. I've been playing a little bit of Age of Sigmar Champions. Because I think everybody in the world is playing oh, is that, that at the, the moment. Is that the new card game? Yeah, it's the original card. I see it. Oh, you're absolutely up for it, Dan, aren't you? It looks alright. It's another CCG, and I don't know if I'm ready what did for you, that. So, Sharon, what do you think? What's, what's it like? I think it's current wave. I, I think it's interesting. I like some of the mechanics in it. Um, I think it's really the telling part is going to be waves two and three and onwards okay. um, to see whether it gets. I mean, the worst thing they could do at this stage is kind of suddenly decide that wave one is, you know, obsolete once wave two comes out and then, you know, it's no longer competitive or viable or anything. Yeah. Um, I think I think you need the future releases to kind of give a lot more depth to the game. At the moment, it's kind of a bit point and clicky as in mm. you deploy a unit or a spell that's more or less the same doing the same thing. It rotates and then at some point there's an effect that happens. That said, I see an awful lot of promise with it, so it's basically just going to be seeing what happens over the next little bit. Oh, that's good. I see so many people posting about it at the moment. Everyone seems to be on it. But this is good, though, because this continues our theme of being a GW podcast, masquerading as a Guild Ball podcast. Um, No, nice one. Well, uh, what what, what have I been doing? I finished my my gold for my blacksmith team. That's all painted up, all designed up. So I'm looking forward to busting that out, um, the 64 man. And I've also painted and finished Vet Cinder as well. So I think she's Who kicked my dick in, in two games today. One game, I only played it once. No, you played it twice. We had three games, you played it twice. She kicked me twice. I thought I only played her in the first game. It doesn't matter. I, I definitely only played her in the first game. Two games. Okay, <laughs> sure. I've done no hobby. I finished working. Shameful. I finished working. I've got a week off if I start another job. I'm going to do hobby next week. Okay, this is good. it's good. At least you're doing stuff. Dan, have, is someone it else able? painted my back chisel. There we go. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay, nice one. Um, should we jump straight into the questions? We yeah, get stuck into the meat of this. Okay, the first question cool. is from uh, <laughs> our, our cohort, 
John. We promised we'd ask. We're he, sorry. Yeah, he, he, he has to ask one question. This is his question. His question is, if you were a biscuit, what kind of biscuit would you be and why? That's a fine question. Is it? I don't know. My no. no, there's a lot of good biscuits, though, isn't there? There are. Like, I mean, it's not It's not just uh, cut and dry. And it's so easy to just 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 say something and no. fire back and then you just like oh, no, no, no you don't want to you don't want to just blindly you, go into this no, you've exactly. got to think about dunkability you've got to think about whether it's a cheese bearer uh, or not Ooh. I, don't, I don't know what i don't know i want to go about dunkability fair enough, fair enough i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for a completely and totally and oh, i don't know i'm gonna go for a chocolate bourbon strong choice interesting yeah strong I, I like those beasts i it almost got it almost got being at the post by the custard cream because I, I yeah. like the anonymity of that. I like being sort of, you know, completely bland and forgettable. But very old but, school. Like, you know, a, a, a staple, I'd say. The same, And also cost-effective, which is really nice. Because oh. you can get a packet of bourbons for like 50p. That has like 30 in It's true. Yeah, it's true. But those ones are like made of sawdust and stuff. You want the better ones. Yeah, also, yeah. you've got the complexity of how I do it. Sometimes I dissemble it. So I've got a layer mm. of just biscuit, a layer with biscuit and cream. Mm. And I dunk just the biscuit bit in the tea because and then eat the creamy bit. See, so I, you've got I'm, options. Everyone needs versatility with a biscuit. Agree. I mean, yeah, that's important. That's, that's important. why I'm, I'm just a fan of the chocolate uh, chocolate digestive, man. It's just it's just simple. You can put cheese on it. It's just a bit oh, sketchy. Oh, that is fucking wrong. It's, yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it's a bit sketchy. Fucking wrong. My at school used to eat cheese and jam sandwiches and used to swear by it. That's, they, that's yeah, better than fucking weird chocolate weird biscuits and cheese. I've only done it once. Well, I didn't care for it. Uh, boredom mostly. <laughs> Isn't cheese oh and chocolate That's... give you headaches? Oh. Isn't that a rule? Is it? Yeah, cheese and chocolate. Is that a thing together. people I'm, know? I'm it could be an old wives, but I'm confident that's a thing. If if anyone listening has heard of this, can they please email us? Because that's so that's two birds with one stone. One, we get to find out if Barry's right or wrong, and two, Barry gets an email. Rollbearpodcast.gmail.com. He likes getting an email. <laughs> okay, well that's that's that's. I'm glad we actually yeah, got an well, answer. For well John done, John's question. Well done. Excellent work, John. Um. Okay, then we've got sort of just a few sort of miscellaneous, simple questions. It, it may be difficult for you to choose. Who is your favourite character you've created in in the Guild War universe? All right. Um, Rangosh. No, wait, that's wrong. No, I'm <laughs> um, it's Cameron now. It's Robin John. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Minor Guild coming? origin stories about God tier now. <laughs> yeah. no, um, I think... I don't know. You're asking me to pick my favourite child. Yeah, um, that's exactly why I thought so, it might not be one you can pass. Yeah, and you can change your answer later. You know, it's everyone who, has what. Who's your favourite now? Who's my favourite I created? Uh, do you know? I really the, the stories that I've enjoyed writing the most. Um, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, been, that was actually another well, question I had. So well, yeah, Theron we'll Origins. Theron's uh, Origins. Origins was was my favourite bit of Guildhall fiction I wrote I that's cool. think that's brilliant because I absolutely love those stories and I'd, I really hope we get more along those lines and whether it's in season 4 or maybe something we get further down the line to see little glimpses into the background of some of the yeah. either the captains or just the characters that are more sort of focal yeah hey, basically that, that really came around because we were getting quite a few questions from people uh, pundits as well as people at shows basically just saying well we love the world but can we have anything that sort of you know Let's interact with the world outside of the sphere of Guild Ball because we yeah. said, you know, obviously everything in the rule books has to relate to Guild Ball. Yeah. Whereas what they're actually asking for is, who were these characters before they were players in a Guild Ball team? You know, um, who were these characters during the Century Wars in some cases? That sort of stuff. Yeah. And Theron was a great example because when I first started writing season two, 
Theron had like Theron lost about three pages worth of stuff <laughs> as I sat down and writing it because it, it, it became he was originally going to be in the story arc and then for whatever reason he didn't make it he ended up being a character bio and it was always just something where I thought he hinted at more and yeah one Christmas I basically sat down I didn't have much going on that sort of Christmas period where you don't have anything to do at all and felt inspired to start writing and uh, out came Theron Origins oh that's cool yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree that I've really enjoyed that because it's, yeah, it's glimpses into the wider world, the Empire, the Empire of the Three Cities as a place that's lived in as opposed to the, the sort of the, the specific look we get into the world of Guild Ball. Yeah, definitely. I just, I'm looking forward to more. I'm hoping you get, you're allowed to expand on that and we get publications about that. I know like, we, like novels is, a, is like a, a way off, but if there's more of that in the rule books, I'd be well chuffed. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I mean, I if you were to casually just bash out a few Gilmore novels, I would buy. Yeah, those. if you could, like, just you know, like right, a couple, couple of afternoons. I'll, I'll find the time. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find the time and I'll see if I can get it done. <laughs> yeah, cool. Just takes a bit of commitment. You've heard it here, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> um, this this was I think this was one from you, Dan. This is. Uh, don't think it was, but sure. Oh, maybe not. I, I'm um, happy to take claim on it. Uh, well, wait and see if it's a good is question. There, yeah, see if it's a good one. Is there physically an actual Guild Ball rulebook? This was somewhere. Was you back? This was me. somewhere in the Empire of the Free Cities because I think you've alluded to it before. But is there a physical one or more copies? I'm picturing some ancient dusty tome with lots of addendums and shit in there. Yes. Okay. And yes, that's correct as well. Yeah. Um, I envision that I've kind of deliberately kept it grey, and that's quite plainly speaking, because I haven't quite decided where it should live yet. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I think, I'd envision that it's going to be in one of two places. It's either going to reside somewhere in this sacred vault inside of the Scholars Guild, okay. or it's going to be somewhere to do with the Shadow Council, uh, in, equally locked away um, and kept far away from everything. But I envision that's probably going to be somewhere you'd find it there. Okay, because in my head, I think, I'm trying to remember... In one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, they show the actual pirate code, and it's got bits the of code coming yeah. out of the side of it, like weird pull-out bits, pages that unfold, and in my head, that's what the Guild Ball rule is book, a pop-up is. book It's just been added to and changed. It's not a pop-up book. It's not like you open page three and a giraffe Blacksmith's turned up and went, we're not well, having I, a mascot. Thing. Blacksmith's is a great example, right? Yeah. Because this is, where, this is where it fits. Like Blacksmith's have turned up, and they've basically said, well, we're not having a mascot. And no one can be quite sure whether having a mascot is this culture that's developed over in Gilball over the last 20 or so years, where everyone just always has a mascot, or whether it's an actual rule. But of course, until they, someone can actually produce a rule book and kind of go, um, actually, you have to, then you know that's that's an interesting question, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and I remember you heard that at SteamCon, and there were very mixed reactions, and I absolutely loved it, that the, that the Smiths have basically gone, show me where it says I can't do this. Yeah, I can't say my pony. It's that... It's that rules is written, rules is intended yeah. to make coming back again. I'd love, yeah. I'd love that, like a guild that has the rule book, and it's like, what you're doing that? No, my rule book says no. So you, yeah. So Dan, Dan would freaking love that. That is so right up his street. Like some form of admin. <laughs> if he can point to it and point to something and says, no, you can't do that. That's yeah. not okay. Sort of like a denial guild. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. I like that. You just get one BB every time your opponent like miscounts their dice or yeah, makes a mistake. Or when someone makes a mistake, you get a VP. I, that is awful. <laughs> or at least a momentum, like something that is just punished for fucking up. Well, um, it's more, I, I guess it's more something like I'm sorry, the rule book says you can't get that many hits on that attack. <laughs> yeah. no, that doesn't work. Or, uh, no, I'm sorry, the rule book says you can't kick that far. Yeah, rule book that says raps aren't a thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Can't have that. Um. 
So I think you were you were happy enough to talk a little bit about the Falconers. I believe from what what we'd uh, discussed before, we we're not going to say anything about navigators. You're gonna have to wait for that. All right. And we're not going to say anything about. I think cooks was things we, we have to. A little bit about cooks. Oh. oh. I'm going to jump to that. So what, what can you tell us about the cooks? Because at this point, I haven't, I haven't got anything specific I can think of asking. Well, who is Pan Lady? Who, who is the and why is she the best cook? Is that is she well, cinnamon? I think she's um, sugar. sugar. Sugar? I believe. Well, let's sugar. ask Joe because he knows. She's called Sugar. Hooray! Uh, I can tell you, and here's your first spoiler of the afternoon, gents. Ooh. Ooh. Is there may... When are you guys putting this out? Well, kind of it, when you say it's okay, really. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have it edited, I guess, in a few days when Barry's got a chance to do it. And then it's yeah. after that. It's oh, it's going to be to- topic then. Um, we're recording, and tomorrow, a cook story is going out on the blog. Barry, you're getting this edited tomorrow morning. Okay, and fine. we're sending it out as soon as that's dropped. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> uh, so that's going to be a first thing. Okay. Uh, so we can talk a little bit about the cooks. I and mean, we can talk about... Obviously, we've seen Wellington. He, we see him at the end of Gutter's story, don't we? Yes. Uh, from it's Union Chain. he's Wellington. But no, yes, there is that's a second right. person. There. Yeah, that's right. There's a someone. Big there's dude with knives. Yeah, some tall, rakey-looking man, like. Yeah, um, and this story basically continues on from that point. So where the Gutter story ends, this one will begin. Right. Oh, I like that. So it's kind of like Gutter being welcomed into the guild. Uh, it's more about obviously the cooks than it is anything else. Sure. It's a cook's introduction story, much like we did with the navigators. Oh, so cool. it's really us sort of talking a little bit about who they are, what their connection will be to the butchers. That's cool because we got in the, I believe in the navigator story, we got two players. We got Horizon and Windfinder, the names for, yeah. I think. Mm. So we'll get a couple of names. Although we've already got the names. Yeah, names. we know that. But we'll also because it gives you a little insight into into who they are and what their deal is. Well, so. is there anything in the story that? Associates Tenderizer and Shank with the Cooks Guild. Not just yet. Right. You will into, you'll, you'll encounter that fairly soon. Because to be fair, we didn't uh, not know. Just yet. We didn't know initially why that Angel and Siren would be the navigator. No, we don't. Why, but yeah. Well, come on, we're going to ask Joe in that later. Ooh, yeah, the, the interesting the interesting point about the crossover players is, I mean, creating anything to do with minor guilds is a really interesting. Uh, it asks interesting questions of our story, and it also poses some interesting sort of things to kick around. Yeah, why why is a major guild looking for the assistance of or employing a minor guild for any particular reason? And obviously, sometimes there's there can be a very obvious reason. Um, with the morticians, for example, it simply starts everything off because they go for the rat catches. Yeah. If we look at the navigators and the fishermen, we see it's because of the continual political sort of um, limbo they seem to be stuck in. Kind of leaves a door open, which the navigators kind of just sort of force their way into under right. the radar. So we're going to find out what that might be with regards to the butchers tomorrow. And, and just going back to the navigators briefly, is that sort of still off the back of their? Um, is it their? What's the guild guy who gets their guild guy who gets killed early on? A Delirentis, yes, their Lord Chamberlain. Yeah, that's yeah. So basically, the idea is is Delirentis gets killed, and normally that sort of power vacuum, all of the other chamberlains. Excuse me. Will immediately start rushing in to kind of fill that vacuum. They're yeah. trying, you know, trying to stake their own claim on I'm going to be the leader of the guild. That's what it works as. But because there's this real culture of fear, because none of them trust 
he dared the others, thinking, well, I think it was one of you guys who got him killed because you wanted to step into this. No one wants to step forward. No one wants to sort of, you know, be the person who takes up the mantle in case they <laughs> meet the same demise. Yeah. It's kind of a legacy of what the union has left behind. I love it. There's still that level of turmoil. And, of course, it's also due to the t- the terror on the high seas that is seasoned Captain Raychart. I don't know. That's got too much to do I with the fisherman's guild, but that's certainly one of the reasons why the navigators. Yeah, have been that's what I meant. The navigators—they've been—they're sort of them and the merchant fleets are being reeved at, harassed. Mm. Yeah, reeved, raved, reeved. So oh. and so yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say. So when we have a look at characters that cross over, we kind of see what you know what their role might be. Now, if we look at the morticians, we see it's Graves. There's an obvious connection there to the Rat Catchers. He's the guy who leads them all to the Rat Catchers Guild. Um, And then we also have Bonesaw, who I'm pretty sure we can all understand has been sort of put in place by Scalpel to keep an eye on things. Oh, okay. So that's when we find ourselves looking at some of the other players. And that's not always going to be the case. That's just the Mortician's particular sort of uh, connection. Now, if we look at the Navigators, obviously we know Siren's a very mystical character. That one's probably a little bit more interesting to kind of develop. Mm. But we can talk about how Angel, you know, impressionable young girl, kind of obviously reeling off the back of uh, Death of Grayscales, that sort of stuff, might be sort of really looking to sort of, you know, expand friend base might be sort of you know more open to the other to a minor guild than other players that sort of stuff we know from the story corsair doesn't like them whatsoever yeah yeah he's not a fan so exactly so yeah so shank and tenderizer we haven't really crossed over into just yet but you guys i'm sure can think some interesting ideas while they might turn up on a cook's guild after you read the uh, story tomorrow well my, my only thought right now is that shank is kind of weirdly ambitious but in a very sneaky way because he so he because mm. he's always had his eye on upping his position is standing in the guild he's been vice captain a while i think he was hoping that when philip took over he that was going to improve his standing so maybe he's looking at it as a way to get more power more influence maybe worm his way higher mm. up in the echelon he's probably smiling a little bit he's no longer vice captain because uh, me hook's taken over so uh, that's interesting that was that was from three i, I yeah. think tenderizer just loves to bake it just, it's that it's, simple. Man just loves a pastry. And just, if you take the mask off, it's Mary Berry underneath. And that's yeah. basically what the story is. He's just like, I just can't get my Yorkshire to rise. So he's joined yeah. the guild for some info. That's how I see it. I, I think he's a similar situation to um, to what Bonesaw was in that. He's like a spy slash enforcer from Philip. Because isn't he like steadfastly loyal yeah. to Philip? He's in with Philip. But... No, it's, it's for recipes. Simple as that. I don't hear... All I'm saying is Sherman's not saying no, so... So, obviously, we're right. Obviously, I'm right. Yeah, yeah, I think that was sort of... That was the the ones we had for those each... Oh, there was one thing I wanted to ask about for the Navigators, if you're... I don't know if you're allowed to say or not. What, what, if any, is the kind of relationship between Fathom and Angel? Because, obviously, Fathom's got linked Angel, and I was wondering what the, the link is there, as it were. Oh, I thought the Oh no, I thought the caller dropped there. You were so quiet. <laughs> I, my call, I had a little bit of interference, but for the most part, I was just listening. Uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> that's uh, how we feel about that. Necessarily going to get the answer, I'm afraid. Okay, I understand that. No, that's fair enough. I've, we have to try though. Got to try. Got to try. Yeah, yeah. I've dropped you one spoiler. I'm sure there's others coming. Yeah, exactly. We'll keep our ears to the ground. Um, I will hand over to one of my co-hosts because I feel like I've been talking your ear off. No, you're you're right. right, You want me? Am I narrating the episode? Really? I'm the voice of Robert. Jesus Christ, we're in dire straits. Correct. Um, Falconers. 
we'd like to get stuck yeah. into next because they're at the moment they're the new boys or, and girls new people yeah um, <laughs> so we know how the navigators entered we're apparently learning how the cooks entered the world of guild ball can you give us some some hints as to how and why the falcon has decided to get involved have we touched on the Falconers' backstory at all? I'm not sure we have. So have the we? only story we've got for the Falconers is a little card that was included in the uh, in mm. the team, and all it really tells us is they're quite like the hunters, a little bit keeps themselves to themselves, quite you know mystical, uh, a bit aloof. But there is some link between Davana and Theron. Because this is Lucky sort of narrating it and saying, yeah, there's something there. They know each other. They've they've been seen sitting, talking in hushed tones quietly at night in, in inns or something like that. So I was wondering uh, what what that what that link is, what you can tell us about that. Sure. Well, I mean, the first thing we should probably start with is, I guess you guys have got to ask yourselves, do you think Lucky is a reliable narrator? <laughs> I mean, I'll leave he, you guys with that. <laughs> at the end of the day, he is still a drunk, so... Kind of it. But anyway, uh, Navigator, uh, Navigators, uh, Falconers, let's talk a little bit about those guys. So, at the end of the Century Wars, uh, you have a whole bunch of different soldiers uh, from all different classes, all different sort of um, roles within the actual armies, uh, who kind of suddenly become very much kind of disenfranchised. They kind of become abandoned. You know, the armies don't really fit in the new world, uh, in the post-alliance post world. Absolutely. And um, some of them, the sort of scouts, the guys who would go out and do recon, the guys who would be out on the frontiers, kind of often on their own, that sort of stuff, really don't fit into the world. Um, purely because they don't necessarily have families to go back to. They're, they're loners for the most part. They're often yeah. operating on, on their own. Um, basically, the forerunners of the Falcons Guild uh, form the guild from this group. They're all scouts originally um, in the army, one army or another, I should say, because they yeah. come from a variety of different things. You have this great uh, charter they sign, which basically says they're not going to fight each other anymore. They're going to work together because there's no place for them in the new world, and they kind of have this bond of brotherhood from the war, from you know, as old soldiers might do. And that's pretty much where they come from. Okay. Now, the first place they really find employ is using these great birds they've sort of tamed out on the frontiers, um, they find themselves working on royal hunts made by the various different classes of nobility across the land because they're wildly popular things where the great birds are kind of a sign of great prestige if you have the hunters, if you're sorry, if you have the falconers killed there. Um, and it's basically that's where they kind of originally make their coin. Yeah, makes now, sense. Now, some interesting switch happens at some point where someone new comes into this and says, how about Guild Ball? Now, we can sort of, yeah, we can debate as to the why of that. We can have a look at um, who might be the sort of catalyst for that change or whether it's simply a case of, well, we can make more money at Guild Ball if we do it this way rather than we don't like the nobles anymore. Because you can imagine the nobles will be very overbearing and kind of yeah, exactly. real pain to work with. Messing yeah, we, have a character, we have a character like Ikaros, for example, who actually is an ability. Oh, and we can okay. go into that one. Yeah. That's why he kind of doesn't necessarily fit in with the rest of the hunters, uh, the rest of the Falcons Guild. Is he an ex-engineer? Uh, he's not. Right. He's he's. If you can envision he's that, this is your elevator pitch for uh, for Karos. Yeah. Effectively, he's he's a noble who hires them, but he doesn't want to take them on a great hunt like all of the other nobles. And it's not like a grand host 
where all the other nobles where it's kind of one-upmanship over the sort of neighbors and that sort of stuff yeah. it's more about he wants to get them and basically get them to just get the birds to fly around so you can watch how the birds fly how their movement is their wings that sort of stuff <laughs> because Akaros is a crazy inventor type who's sinking his entire family fortune in how to fly yeah i love it He's he's an old timey inventor who's basically hiding an entire guild just for study. Pots. Yeah, just for to study birds in flight. You got it. it, and then at some point he kind of gets to the stage where he kind of hooks. You know, he kind of starts accompanying them because they realise, well, he'll pay our way. He'll pay our expenses. So he's their financier. So the hunters seem very mystical. They've got a magical bent and all that stuff going on, and these guys seem very down to earth and mercenary. So there's a Seems like a big difference between the major and minor in this instance. Mm. They're very pragmatic. So is that one of those instances where Hearn's popped over because he's like, I'm going to influence them with my magical ways? So Hearn, I think in this particular instance, you probably look at more as an ambassador between the two. Right, okay. He's a truck. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a character who carries an awful lot of weight with the hunters. Yeah. You know, whether you're a follower of the, moon, of the moon goddess or the sun father, Hearn is a very important figure to either. Um, and we know that someone like Egret has probably been sent by the Lord Huntress in a similar sort of vein of she doesn't really trust her and she wants to kind of keep the tabs on him, what's going on. Well, we know Egret's definitely in that camp. Yeah. So that's pretty much the existence of those two. Cool. Okay, so they're, they're ambassadors, but also just keeping the tabs. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, think... you've got to understand, none of the guilds really get on that well with anybody else. Yeah, there's still uh, there's still like a lack of trust between a lot of them. Thanks. Well, these are the beginnings of the relationships between a lot of these guilds. Like, take it ten years further down the line, and perhaps you know you'll find that the falconers and the hunters get on absolutely fine. They've had yeah. ten years of you know of non-strife to get on with, but at the moment, it's it's an arrangement which is you know months old at most. What can you tell us about Rundas? Just because I look at that model and he's just such a badass. So Rundas <laughs> is uh, an older character. He's actually used to be a scout. He's one of the older falcons. He was in the Century uh, Wars. He was a scout, and he's. Uh, basically a character who's very um, very mystical. In, in a lot of ways, he's very much similar to his, his kind of culture. He's similar sort of to Amerindians. Um, so he's kind of all about the kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, fire ceremonies, that sort of stuff, um, yeah. sort of soothsaying, that sort of thing. Um, so he's the guy that you're going to find out on the sort of edge of camp, kind of sitting around his own fire, sort of staring into it, having... Uh, Inhaled a bunch of ashes, that sort of stuff, and trying to see the future, that sort of thing. Just see, seeing visions and scrying the fire, yeah. Nice. Uh, so, let's ask about Minerva. What's her deal? Because she seems very, like, white witchy and mystical. We're basically looking for, like, a short elevator pitch of as many of the Falconers as we well, can. Right. Well, let's, let's see. We could, we'll go from the things. We've done what we've done. Rundas, we've done uh, Ikaros. So, Minerva is another is another one of those characters who kind of really all of the all of the falcons worth pointing out although they have some camaraderie they they are a group that don't necessarily mix as well as others yeah. um okay. on the basis of their past you know they're out used to being on their own minerva is a character who isn't afraid to bite back she's very strong-willed she she's probably one of the stronger personalities in the guild she's if minor guilds had uh, had vice captains then she would absolutely be the one for the falconers Although they don't, because they're small okay. size. Yeah, she is basically one of those characters where you're not quite sure whether they like you or whether they respect you or whether they just hate you and they endure you. <laughs> and that's kind of where she's coming from. Very difficult to read. Uh, very standoffish to most people. Uh, probably closest to Devana, but that's more or less it. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, so maybe just seems slightly aloof, but that's not necessarily because she's just got her nose in the air. But it's more that she's sort of she's earned it and she's she's kind of gained the right to to, to be like that. Maybe. I think I think we'll see that some of the nations haven't necessarily let some of those prejudices from the war go, and I think we can definitely ah, assume that Minerva okay. is one of those characters who's going to struggle with that more than others. I can't remember what uh, where she's from. Is she? I know Rundas is Saltarish. Uh, I believe Rundas is Indar. Let's have a quick look. Oh, is he on Indar? I thought it was. I thought it was Saltarish because I've been thinking about a Saltar Homelands Cup team, and they they Minerva is Saltarish. Oh, Minerva Saltarish. Rundas is Indar. Oh, he is Indar. Okay. So if they're all like, I know we haven't gone through them all yet, but if they're all like ex-soldiers and stuff, I quite like the idea that with the Century Wars, there's is there always that old rivalries bubbling so that they like in a couple of years there's a, a civil war type community event you know what a civil war yeah or every, uh, everyone's civil war okay well it's I mean we could war. do I mean, it's, it's all open now I mean when I've said this before when whenever we write anything for Guild Ball we always the, the practice we've had ever since the beginning of season one is we throw out lots of thread you can imagine there's all sort of balls of string around us and we just pump them all out and roll <laughs> yeah. them out and then basically we, we put the stories out there and we see what people kind of, you know, what people like, what people don't like, you know, what they kind of, you know, what their message is about, uh, what yeah. they talk about, that sort of stuff. And therefore we know which string to pull on when it comes to actually writing further material. Cool. Makes a great sense. example is a, a real missed kind of um, one that sort of got punted out there in season one and simply no one seems to care about it whatsoever is Jack being Ox's brother. Um, yeah, that, that- one. That, that that one flew out there and no one seems People to really forget care. about it. I know it, but I, I was like, okay, cool. I don't know yeah, what to do with and it. <laughs> yeah, so, so honestly, like, until until there's a moment where that either fits really well or there's a renewed interest in it, it simply will just get left. It's exactly as you say, it's part of the world, but there's no yeah. need to sort of force it on people. Yeah, because um, there's a certain point where not everything that you're given as a piece of information has to be seized on and, and sort of unraveled to see where it goes. Sometimes it's just nice to, to have, oh, that's to have it. It's just, it's just sort of flavour that in, it just is, is there and you don't have to uh, sort of fixate on it sometimes. Mm. It, also, it also means it's very easy for us to kind of put in the seeds of what actually is the storyline in our stuff and keep people guessing as yeah. to where it's going. Because obviously, as well as all those sort of out incidental kind of um, story arcs that kind of get pushed out there and seeing whether people like them or not, we have a great deal where you know we hide the actual sort of progression of the story and hint at it, but don't necessarily jump on it um, immediately. Mm. So it's all there. Okay. Cool. Uh, should we go on to Matagi? Yeah. Let's see. Um, can I ask a question about Matagi before we learn about who he is? No. Oh. <laughs> yeah, gosh, yeah. Well, I'm going to anyway. Because, yeah, but well, why doesn't he have pupils? You'd have to ask Doug on that one. Okay, I'll, ask, I'll, I'll contact Douge. No, yeah, contact yeah. get in touch with uh, our artist Doug. Um, I certainly can't give you a reason. I was hoping though. you said, oh, I didn't know if it was like a magical thing. Yeah, he looks your... baller, but I've just been like, why is he like, like he's... He just bro- went super, uh, super Saiyan Broly. That's what he is, Super Saiyan what? Broly loses pupils. <laughs> one for Doug, maybe. Uh, Matagi is, interestingly, he's one of the new... Falconers. He's not a falconer from the Century Wars at all. He's okay. one of the youngest, ah. yeah, younger figures. And um, basically, he is a character where um, his father was originally in the original charter um, after the wars. His father is now passed on, and Matagi was brought in that way. So you can imagine this young boy kind of out sort of hunting with his father, um, and then simply joined up with the falconers afterwards. I like that. Oh, nice. Uh, so that leads on to the captain. 
Which don't we know? Don't you want to ask about Frelsey? Well, What's I'm assuming that if, <laughs> if that's going to be they're going to be tied up together because she oh, would have trained yeah. the bird in the woods. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I assume most of Frelsey's story is Frelsey is an eagle or whatever, some kind of free cities type bird that has a name that isn't eagle but means similar. Yeah. So I mean, there's not. So Devana is a character who wasn't originally one of the scouts from the Century Wars. Oh, okay. She's not part of the original charter at all. Okay. She comes into it at some point because she kind of um, she finds herself drawn to this group of nomads, uh, this group of uh, this sort of um, enigmatic group, mm. and she finds sort of kindred spirits there. And at some point, it's kind of uh, it's divine that she is the mother of falcons. And D- divined that, by whom? Well, that's a good question. I thought and so. And there's probably some sort of tie in there with Frelsey. And that's pretty much all you're getting. Oh, mother of falcons. See, now mm. I'm like, well, what, is, what does that mean? Is not daughter of falcons? Uh, sorry, daughter of falcons. Sorry, you changed that. You have to forgive me. That's okay. The Inquisitor has spoken. <laughs> Mr. Adams. Yeah, I like. I like. He was waiting for his moment. I couldn't remember the hundred percent. We we had a couple. We bandied around between the two. I couldn't remember which one we went for for a second. Because I was thinking, mother of fact, so she does. I was thinking maybe she lays eggs. But now I'm thinking, <laughs> well, does this mean she hatched from a massive egg, like a giant bird, laid a huge egg, and like on some massive crag in a giant bird's nest, she just hatched out? Yeah. What's your next question, Matthew? Okay. <laughs> He's got it. Yeah. I mean, I've See, totally spoiler, spoiler free. Nailed it. Bird. See, That's it's it. she. She's a bird person. Bird person. That's what she is. She's now. Birdman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we would like to, um, if possible, it, it, can we get even any sort of little pitches, like elevator pitches, on who the navigators are if, as well, if possible? Mm, well, probably not. Actually, <laughs> only on the basis that I don't really want to sort of tread on our toes for releasing really sort of stories no, later of on. Uh, because I know obviously people like it when we put stuff out on the blogs. Oh, yeah. But we can sure. be a bit more detailed than me kind of uh, yeah. vaguely going over them a bit. <laughs> You're going to piss people off with theirs. Like, well, why is it all in that one podcast randomly? No, that's fair enough. But we have we have to push our luck. We have to try. Yeah. Um, we want to talk a little bit about the faithful now, if that's okay. That's right. Sure. So, this is specifically the people involved in or that are included in the box New Beginnings. Mm. Uh, and this is how how did they end up becoming veteranized? Whether you can tell us now, or whether we're going to see in season four or in future blog posts as to how they became. Who they are, because so for example, for the um, for the Union and Change models, we got a, basically a nice story that kind of mm. included and explained how they became got to that point in conjunction with the actual Union and Change story. So, mm. how, how did how did the beginnings people begin the new beginnings people? So we have to be a bit careful here because some of this bleeds into series uh, series into season four. Yeah. But um, so the faithful in that context really has two different meanings depending on what character we're talking about. Obviously, we have two who are faithful in the sense that they're devout Solthesians. Which is Spiggy and Fangtooth. Which is Spiggy and Fangtooth. And are they devout so, because they, like, Spiggy seemed to believe before. He wasn't. Is yeah. Fangtooth devout because they tortured the poor fuck? Or did Basically, he believe yeah. before? I don't know if No, no, if you can, if you can envision, uh, Fangtooth is a character, because people ask about Fangtooth, poor Fangtooth, for a long while during Union Chains. Fangtooth yeah. was dragged... So if you can envision while all that was happening with Gutter and Decimate and Rage and the others, yeah. Fangtooth was dragged off into another corner of this uh, infernal dungeon and then basically just trapped there and tortured. He's the first guy they go to for whatever reason. They, they burn him, they remove all of the sin from his body, so all of the boils and everything else. 
to the point where he's this this sort of you know this hulking man is reduced to this sobbing mess basically from this just constant torture. But of course, at the same time, he's kind of being exposed to this new it's well to what him is new. It's obviously not in our world. He's being exposed to this religion, to these uh, very pious beliefs of the first of inquisitors, soldiers, and um, and grace and benediction. And so it's to a point where ultimately, by the time he's broken, he's truly broken. His character kind of you know finds Saltesius. Um, and that's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel for him, the point where he converts and the point where he just becomes one of them. It's the same case with like what the Spanish Inquisition used to do. You know, it was kind of torture you until you, you, you broke and then kind of went, well, there's one there's one way out and that's to, to get faith. Salvation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's that's really Fangtu's story. So that, that's where we find Fangtu. And now we find him, he's this very... He's very much a zealot. He's yeah. very much this guy who wants to take this this raw fury he has within him that he always had and kind of just unreleash it upon anybody who doesn't believe. Um, yeah. you know, any unbelievers. He wants to basically just purge it from them. Because his season three fluff really alluded to. He has had a tough old go of it, old, old Fang Tooth. His, his fluff was... That excerpt where he was, you know, he was in the fighting pits, I believe, at one point, and he talked about everything that he went through. It's, it, you think of him because he's so rarely actually mentioned in the background previously and you never see him like really interacting with anyone it's kind of hard to get an idea of who he is and I always think of him as some giant silent thing that looks and smells horrifying and no one tries to get in this so it was really nice to get under the mask and pun intended and like thank you behind the mask yeah exactly and like see from his internal thought process what he was like and he's a lot more he's not the 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 mindless beast that you might think he is. Hmm. Well, I mean, all of these characters have a story somewhere. Um, yeah. they've, they've obviously got, one of the things that I've always tried to do when we write any characters for Guild Ball is if I can't, if I can't envision that character existing in a world somewhere, if I can't, you know, if, I, if that character is so sensational or that character is so ridiculous that I kind of think, you know what, I can't possibly, can, can, you know, I can't ever imagine this person actually existing, then it just gets thrown out. These characters yeah. all have to, they all have to be someone who, at some level, your mind could kind of rationalise or identify with them in some way, shape, or form. Even Rage, even if we look at a character who clearly is, um, I mean, if we look at Rage, he's a psychopath. He's yeah. obviously very much schizophrenic. He's had some real battles in his life. But at the same time, we can all kind of look at that guy and go, I could see how Hume could get there. Yeah. And he's one of the most extreme characters we have. The same with, in fact, Gutter and Blackheart, two also from the same story. They're also equally deranged or damaged characters, but we ultimately consider that we can understand what they are. A character like Fangtooth, he's got his backstory. He's, he's a character who, even if we don't allude to it, obviously he comes from somewhere. And he doesn't just suddenly become this great big hulking monster that smells bad. Um, at some point it's obviously he needs to get there somehow and it's nice to be able to explore some of that with their, uh, as veterans go forward one of the best things we can do with veterans is not only can we look at that as a way of expanding where they currently are but we can also look at that as expanding on their past as well but I think I said on a previous podcast he just because he's like the masked man he's got what I, you know, what I call the Boba Fett syndrome where we mm. don't know a lot about him so he's everyone's favourite he's <laughs> just so, like, Dan, he's your favourite character. I don't know if she's my favourite Oh, I character. thought he was your absolute no, favourite. he just loves him. I That's love the, the season three fluff, which is, like, the the sort of the journey of the, like, almost, it's almost like poem-ish. Yeah. yeah. I love that. 
it's it's really fun to put it. That's the thing you need to know about fantasy. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I can see that. He's, he's a poet. He's basically Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. But I think those mysterious characters always generate more interest. Mm. People seem to draw far more to them. Yeah, there's one of those the things. The era of mystery is always enticing, exactly. isn't it? You always want to know more about the people you know nothing about. Correct. But so Spigot, we know he was Sulpician when he was a mm. veteran. So so, uh, so Spigot is less devout than that. Obviously, we know that Spigot is someone who had fallen off the wagon after being a superstar at a fairly young age, and then basically found himself kind of you know going back to his roots and rediscovering his religion, and really using that as a catalyst for change to the point where it obviously turned him around, turned him sober, turned him into a real asset to the Brewers. Um, and also managed to, in a roundabout way, um, sort of clear his head enough that he could recognise the relationships forming around him, um, which is why he ends with Friday. Now, I'm not going to get too much into why it is that we don't necessarily have Spigot on the Brewer team anymore. Uh, but I can happily yeah. tell you, one of the reasons why we have him, yeah, one of the reasons why he's sort of, he's, he's got faith, he is faithful. Now, it's not necessarily the same sort of um, berserker faith we see in Fangtooth. It's not necessarily the same kind of exclusive um, and pi- exclusive piety we see in Grace or Benediction, but it is this core of belief in Solthesius. Um, okay. So, yeah. It's like it's like any normal, reasonable sort of person who's got, you know, specifically devoted to their faith. It's, it's just... It, You've got it. That's, that's a exactly. very, very normal level of faith that you'd expect to see in, in a world like this. One, I, I, had, I had a quick question. Um, I've only got the title, but I'm just going to chuck this at you, and I want you to just run with it and see what you can do. I've got the sure. the idea for a story. It's called Spig Trouble in Little Raidland. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's all I've got, but I'm pretty sure it's gold. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sure it's gold, and there's, there's got to be something. something there. That's a million dollar idea. Yeah, that's right. You can have that for free. That's, that's, that's our gift. Or my gift, at least. Speak, <laughs> the other guys speak, are looking at me like, what the hell are you on about? Speak trouble in Little Raidland. Yeah. Okay, no worries. So where do you want to go with this? Let's oh, I have no it. idea. I literally, at 3am, I wrote, wrote down that. I was like, 3 in the morning, there's a pad next to my laptop, and I wrote that down, and that's there's all I There's a character called Seymour, you know, that's all we know. Yeah. Do you know, I see this as a choose-your-own-adventure-style thing. Oh, I love it. I mean... So, like, you start off with we've got Spigot, and at that point we kind of, you know, we get to make our journey and work out where he's going. We'll work out what the actual end, you know, what's on page 400 at the end of it. Yeah. You know, we'll but just, until then, we'll just go yeah, along. Yeah. I'll give that you, sounds fun. I'll give you £25 for 80%. <laughs> Muffin. So, why, why have the church decided to take to the pitch? Have they always done it, or is it a more recent thing? We're not getting that one, are we? Oh. Oh. I, 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 I will tell, tell you it's a new development. Okay. okay. Absolutely a new it. development. Oh, and questions. we know from season three that we have a new Bacchus, and he's a gentleman who's yeah. more interested in the church reclaiming its former glory. We have a very much sense that under the, uh, the last few Bacchus, we've just seen a real sort of decline in the church's power, uh, whereas we see... Um, the new Bacchus is kind of more about more concerned about putting his foot down and reclaiming control once more. I mean, I'm hearing Crusade. I'm hearing well, it's, and Bacchus is kind of like Pope. Uh, Bacchus is effectively the Pope. Yes. Yeah. I'm looking at it as if Gilbo is the opiate of the people. He wants religion <laughs> to be the opiate of the people again. That's think, my feeling. That's, 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 a, that's a fairly opiate. good. That's a fairly good one. I mean, yeah. there's no reason why you wouldn't have that. I mean, effectively, if you really want to draw, boil it down, Gilbo is 
is its competition for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because Gilball is this thing that sort of, you know, captivates the masses and is really taking them away from the Sothesian faith, which is previously the most widespread religion. Well, it still is the most widespread religion, but the thing that drives them. And obviously, as we go along, we have new guilds. So alchemists, engineers, they're sort of pushing the edges of secular thought, kind of changing people's attitudes about what's magic, what's religion, what's faith, yeah. that sort of stuff, what's science. So that's what we're really starting to sort of see in our world. And this is kind of something that's not new. It's been going on for a little while now. Do you have other organised religions in your head for the world? And could they clash? Uh, there already are several. I think we've referred to. We've, we've got, got the Svanselit. Three, I can think of. Sorry, say again. Uh, there's, there's the Svanselit, which is in Eskirad. And we don't see much else uh, anywhere else because it's such a such an ultra-extreme uh, religion that it simply hasn't spread anywhere else because okay. burnings and witch hunts aren't really very popular. <laughs> Who knew? Um, we have, what else do we have? We've got, uh, obviously we have the pagan beliefs um, of the Hunters Guild, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of old, which is old worldly stuff. We also have various different isolated individuals, someone like Hemlock, who believes in the old gods as well. And something like the Lords of the Deep are still widespread worship, widespread one, worships yeah. anywhere you might have a uh, sort of, you know, a strong naval presence like Vigo and possibly yeah. even Raveland, that sort of stuff. Um, and then if we go out to Numa, we'll have... Uh, Shinto, which is very similar, funnily enough, to actual real-world Shinto. So Cool. Okay. Oh, I look forward to a bit of that. Because this is always something I've been really interested in. I don't know if it's something we're going to get in, in Season 4. I'd like to see a, a larger map of the world that the Empire of the Free Cities resides in. Because I want to see, I want to see like, where and, and in, you know, in relation to the rest of the Empire of the Free Cities are Numasai, is Sultai, is Indar. Like, I'm always, I've been curious about how far away they are, how... How big? Where? In relation? Like, mm. yeah, I'll see what we can do. I have chats, Doug. And we've we've kind of our original starting point for the map and our original starting point for the world. Is we wanted it to be bearing in mind. Obviously, we started out of the Kickstarter with you know guys in England. Yeah. We thought that the best thing for a soccer release game was to make it very identifiable to Europe for obvious reasons. Yes, sure. absolutely. Um, so hence the sort of various different nations we have. But obviously we always had that little bit at the edge of the map where it kind of goes off towards Indar and Sultan. It's all connected. We've never quite had a, uh, a an island, as it were. And as we've expanded out, we've kind of now got away from the point where our, sort of our sovereign states have really started picking up their own identity, their own ideas, but they've moved away from that stuff. We almost don't necessarily need to be anchored to that quite the same anymore. In fact, I don't think we are. Our universe has kind of since expanded up. So, yeah, I, I think that's certainly feasible. The only thing I'd say we not necessarily want to do is kind of release... Because every time you make a map, you kind of say, this is how the world looks. And I think sometimes having that little bit more mystery, like we're talking about of our masked man, or yeah. while we're talking about having an idea of... Every time you expand up, it kind of loses a little bit of that magic. It loses a little bit of that kind of... Um, you have to justify why you do it, I think. Is what I get that, because it's, it's, right about way. it's the whole idea of, you know... Few hundred years ago, everyone had heard of the, or not long, maybe long, but you'd, you know, you'd heard of the concept of China and India, these places so far away, and you get you get mm. spices and exotic animals and exotic materials come through, and everyone's it's it's so mystical and a place well, that's think, basically full think, of magic. Think of it this way, right? So, do you guys ever play Civilization? Yes. Cool. So, do you remember when you first play Civilization, the whole world is 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 mist, and you're kind of going out there and you're exploring new lands, and everything's cool because it's new resources, and you might find a new civilization or something like that. And then you kind of develop up, and suddenly you have satellite technology, and the whole map is suddenly visible. It's boring because <laughs> at that point you then go, oh, now I know everything is. There's nothing new to discover. Yeah, like Alexander, 
cried when there were no more worlds to conquer. And there's nothing else to go and find. Uh, Guildball in space. <laughs> yeah. Space let's force. Have, let's have zero gravity Guildball. Yeah. Engineers yeah. minor confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Jesus. That's a good idea. Yeah. Write that one down <laughs> as well. Do that. I'll give gold here. Speak troubling little raid London zero G Guildball. Space force. <laughs> yeah. Um, so who's next in the box? Is this, is this, for me, is this me? What? Who's next in the box? Are you just asking about the killing next? No, no, no. Matt, we were discussing the people in the new Faithful Box, or the New Beginnings Box. Ah, I see. Sorry. I oh, some casket related Yeah, I was like, who's next yeah. in the box? No, no, I don't want Jeremy to kill anyone, although you did, in fact, tweet yeah. about someone... I mentioned this on a previous episode that we had a, um, a tweet from you that was said, oh, well, that went to a dark place. Someone's not getting back on the bus after the game. It really did. Right, there, there's, there was a story... There's a story I, when I was writing season four... Uh, there's a story I was writing, and I, uh, I was going on with it. I was doing things, and I don't know. I don't know if you guys have ever started writing anything. I find writing to be a very organic process. Sure. I know I have an endpoint I need to get to. I know where I begin, and I know roughly a couple of beats usually about where I want to sort of stop off on the way. But anything else as it goes is generally tends to be quite um, unprocessed, driven, completely unprocedural. Literally just flows out of me, and we just see what happens next. And often I find that lends itself it's a very vulnerable way of doing it but it also lends itself to some interesting stuff believe it or not the uh rage and blackheart came out that way because that oh. was just something like a let's just type one day afternoon and suddenly that just appeared out of nowhere which is possibly a statement about me and my <laughs> slightly warped mind but anyway we we find ourselves in that situation uh with this particular story in season four i kind of just finished writing the section and i stepped away from the keyboard for a moment and went that's really dark. <laughs> that's really, really dark. How freaking bleak is it if you step back and go, oh, that's dark, what have I done there? I'm not going to lie, I had to go and make a cup of tea and compose myself. <laughs> just uh, just take a minute to just sit yeah, and think about what you've done. It was pretty grim. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a bleak, dark, really harrowing tale, so I actually, I'm actually quite excited for that. So, Had you planned to kill this person off, or that just happened? Oh, no, that was planned. Right. Um, just the medium of hell was a bit Got you. much. I mean, you say kill this person, Barry. It might, person is singular. There could be plural, man. Or it could, could be a mascot. It's not even a person. Yeah, but they're still sad and they still get on the bus. <laughs> swear to God, if, like, some of my favourite mascots, if they die, I'm going to riot. There's there's chairs yeah. getting thrown, fires getting set. Shit's going to get ruined. Okay. <laughs> Steam Call UK. Steam Call UK. And there's just me thrashing in the middle. Um, so we've had to pick up Fang too. Uh, so I guess for the others, let's let's talk a little bit about so the other meaning of faithful. And yes. I I won't go into too much of these guys because some of them are spe- season four spoiler tastic. But Absolutely. I'll talk about one of them. Well, we kind kind of want some, so lots of spoilers. <laughs> well, see what we can do. So faithful in the other sort of half of the box is really about characters who are ultra dedicated to their guild. It's more or less the opposite of what we had with the Exiles, where they are they are individuals who very mercenary. They they leave the union, they turn up on, so in you know in somebody else's team, and they you know whether they whether people trust them, whether everyone thinks they're there for the money, whether they think they're there for the love, or they have ulterior motives. That's a different thing entirely. For the sake of the faithful, it, it's a player who undoubtedly is there because they love their guild. Um, okay. They're there because they've had a point in the story. For each individual one of them, where it's been the case of either reinvention or just you know rededication or something has basically made them go, 
this is me. I am a part of this guild, and that's how I always wanted to be. I never want this to change. Okay, I like so, it. So, and that's why they're the faithful of their guild. So, if we look at Chisel, yeah. as a great example, right? So, Chisel, we know is she's had, and there might be some spoilers in here because not a lot of this is necessarily written down because we, again, much of the other stuff I was saying about Theron, we had to cut out a fair bit and pieces of other people as well. So, Chisel is a character who grows up always sort of idolizing honor. She kind of you know, sneaks. She hasn't really got any money in her family. She can't afford to go to a guild ball game. So she sneaks in to most of them anyway to watch, you know, the Masons and watch her favorite player, Honor, when she's very, very young, going up through teenage years, kind of, you know, going to the things, watching the world champions, you know, loves loves this team, loves the Masons, you know, completely starstruck. And then at some point manages to find herself in the position of basically making the tryouts for the Masons and getting onto the team. The point where, this, point where this all crashes down is the bit where she kind of joins the team just as Honor leaves. And she doesn't actually get to basically be under her, this this character she felt would be her mentor, this character who oh, would kind okay. of, you know, teach her how to be a player, that sort of stuff. Instead, she finds herself in Hammer's team. Now, Hammer's a very, very different sort of captain, we already know. Yes. And Hammer is uh, basically kind of, basically kind of, teaches her, trains her almost, says, look, you're not very good with the ball. You just, you're not very good at kicking the ball around. You're not very good at sort of, you know, a lot of the play that, that actually happens. But what we do see in you is this raw resentment because she's, you know, she's bitter. She's angry. She's that typical angsty kind of slightly older teenager who kind of just is pissed about the fact that she doesn't have, you know, the, the whole reason she's on this team is just not there. And furthermore, she has someone like Hammer saying, yeah, Honor's abandoned us. Like, it's not our fault. Honor's abandoned. She's joined another team. Just so she's further... got this real kind of, you know, I've been living a lie kind of thing going on. This is just further cementing my personal opinion. Well, I mean, it's not exactly my personal opinion. Lots of people have it. The Hammer is a massive dick. Because he's taken this impressionable young player. But it might have been true. And he's just, oh, I don't fucking care. Like, he's just turned her into a freaking well, psychopath. I mean, the interesting question is we have Hammer is... He's got reasons. It's, 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 it's his way of doing things. Yeah, got... Hammer's another deep character we have where he's not... You could look at him and go, the guy's just a dick. We don't like him, you know. Lucius, not really a big fan. But the other flip side to that is is that he's he's kind of a character we know had some issues with the fact that, you know, his wife was abducted, for example, by Avarice yeah. and Reed. We know he's under a lot of pressure there. He's under a lot of pressure from the guild to kind of get results and succeed. And he is a very driven, very competitive, kind of focused individual. So he is going to, in his head, you know, when he's talking to Chisel, he's not doing this because he wants to, you know, use her as in the sense of, I don't, you know, I want to exploit this young lady. He's looking at it from the perspective of, I know the best, the way to get the best results out of you. Now, whether that's just short term, whether that's something where he sort of looks at her and says, I think you can build up into being like this, you know, absolute destroyer. You can be like brick. Who knows? I mean, that's a different question entirely. But that's really where Chisel was at. Now, we go through season four, uh, through season three, and we obviously get to the final where she's literally gets made, well, her face gets disfigured yeah. by Grange, by this sword just chopping into I her head. still thing. don't understand how the double-handed sword works as a weapon. Like, how is he using it? It's so confusing. It must be so... Well, it's got sharp bits on it, and yeah. you swing it at someone, and it cuts them open. Yeah, fair. She's so, so like, <laughs> Mystery sold. It's so unwieldy, though. <laughs> like... And uh, anyway, so she sort of, you know, goes that, and when she wakes up from this match, you know, because we know that she's out of it at that point, she, she kind of comes back at, back to... Not only if the team lost the game, but she's obviously also now got this huge wound, which will eventually heal to a scar, mm. cutting through her, sort of, you know, cutting through. And there's a point where you have to look in the mirror, I think, where you kind of look at yourself and go, what the hell have I become? Like, you know, what's wrong with me? Like, 
how did how did I get here? Like especially when you then look over and you kind of see everyone around Honor isn't she's not this horrible mercenary person you kind of believed that she was for the last few months. She's actually someone who just loves the game, and all of the rest of her team are there because they love her and they love the game. They're not there because she's some tyrant. Yeah. And that's the point where I think the rest of the Masons are kind of coming around to a similar sort of thing. Yeah. And so for Chisel, her presence in the Faithful is it's kind of a re it's a new beginning for her. She's almost sort of come full circle, and she said, "Hammer's Way was not the right one." But I'm I'm now moving on in the image of what I remember the Masons to be, and that's pretty much where she's coming from. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, and we've got because you've got harmonies coming that way as well. You know, she sort of gets Hammer off the field at the end of the um, at the <laughs> end of the final. Kind of, there's kind of like, there's a little moment between her and Anna where it's not like we're cool, but it's it's. There's something is almost the beginnings of the bridges being rebuilt, or at least the, mm. the, a, a reduction in the animosity there, which I quite liked. I like that. Even then, you sort of saw a little bit of harmony. It was like, eh, maybe, maybe it will just be friends, or we we won't be as close as we were, but maybe we can be better. Mm. Uh, how about Sakan? How about him? No, I can tell you, Sakana. <laughs> Sakana's actually one that could be relatively spoiler-free with. So uh, Sakana is. I think Sakana is a great example of how Corsair we know is rebuilding the fish in his own image. He's gone away after being injured by Ox. Yeah. And then the rest of the team really kind of goes in a completely different direction under Shark and Grayscales. And it's really now that we're starting to see Corsair, who's returned, kind of really stamping his mark on the team, say, look, I'm going to win, build these guys back into the team that I had before that won the championship. And... We know that he's kind of pitted Shark and Sakana against each other for first mate position, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think Sakana, we just the Sakana we have now is this much more gritty, much much more kind of um, because when we first have Sakana, he's he's obviously a, he's a privateer of sorts, but he's he's still a little bit more happy-go-lucky than you might expect. He's not quite he's not quite as cutthroat as a true pirate. He's more yeah. a case of just um, focused around you know what he wants, whereas I think this this Sakana we have is kind of what happens if you take that figure and make him make him leaner, meaner, and more aggressive. You know, sort of say, look, we're winners, and this is how you're going to go out and do that. And I think that's the evolution we see in Sakana. He's kind of his his faithfulness is really kind of measured in his dedication to the team because his dedication to winning and getting them back to their former glory. Oh, cool, nice. I because I absolutely love Sakana, Vetskana. like that that model and the card, and now now knowing a bit more about mm. him as well. That that really almost made me think do I buy a fish team again I sold one a while ago do I <laughs> do I buy a new fish team just for that model well fish resin coming soon yeah for, for the for the navigators and I'd love the navigators as well so may, maybe I don't know I don't know if they'll persuade me if they'll swim me back around but yeah absolutely love it pirates are awesome that's, just, that's what it is pirates are great yeah. With, um, everyone loves pirates everyone loves pirates <laughs> so on to calculus I don't know what you can get. I mean can we talk about her? Because I don't know they're going for a big change, but that's rules-wise, not fluff-wise. Mm. So. I don't know if we can. Um, I mean, for Calculus, it's she's a character who kind of comes to the end of Season 3 and, and sees, well, not even Season 3, Season 2, she kind of sees her plans thwarted. I mean, she's trying to make a power move, a power play within the guild. She's trying to basically oust Midas, uh, set up this sort of puppet, i.e. Smoke, um, in, in the captaincy role, and kind of at the same time elevate herself almost out of the guild ball team and into the high council or into the upper echelons of the guild. And um, obviously we know that fails. It just goes utterly, utterly wrong. So um, 
you know, it succeeds in the sense that it pushes out Midas, um, but then, you know, everything else goes to wrong. The, the, suddenly the guild has nowhere near as much influence as it needs to. It's in a very precarious position. Yeah. Um, and suddenly Calculus is now kind of definitely on the out and she sees all of those plans go wrong. So in her case, it's definitely another new beginnings. Hmm. Will we see a bit more of a resurgent Midas? Who knows? I'm guessing and we know in season do. three he was going around spending his own family fortune to kind yeah. of rebuild things. So I imagine he's probably still doing that. And I really want to see what happens. Does he perfect the Crucible? And what happens to Crucible? Veteran Perfect Crucible. Veteran Perfect Crucible, yeah, exactly. Which is like the final form yeah. of the Crucible and has like absorbed it, I don't know, some like, <laughs> like glowing, awesome transforming monster it'll be and it'll actually transform I want a transforming monster so bad I don't know if you can put the word in 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 some way but Barry's been bitching about wanting a transforming model for well ever since we've been playing Guild Ball I think mainly an engineer he basically he wants a transformer in in, in Guild Ball Perkins said that Ulfa was nearly a transforming model nearly a man and werewolf model oh he was what he was going to be yeah oh maybe I don't know I always thought Cena we might see, like, because Cena's obviously Cena. No, no, yeah, no. This is this is getting into dangerous yes. territory. Dangerous territory, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, anyway, say. so it's been great on being a role bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's been really great. Um, we'll thanks for having me. So, well, my the one I am most interested in. You're not finding out about Cinders. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I'm, ask, I'm sure you've got a billion and one other blacksmith questions. Uh, you're accurate. not finding out about Cinders. I, I think we've possibly got to the point where the faithful. I'm going to trade too much into spoiler territory now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I mean, we've, we've already we've already we've said on the podcast what you told us at Vengeance. What did I tell you at Vengeance? Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> so you're just thinking, oh crap, what did I give uh, about her rocking up for her graduation ceremony, for want of a better term. I told you that. That's well, interesting. Well, Perkins did. And, <laughs> ah, then, okay. and then you were it's next to me. Wait, wait, what did he just tell you? <laughs> yeah. And there, then... There, there, were some, there were some conversations with Perkins after he'd been on your show going, what exactly have you said? So I just know future. <laughs> so, yeah, we kind of got... I mean, you don't need to ask him what he said. You could just listen to the episode show yeah. and then you know exactly what he said. I mean, oh. I, I, need, to, I need to know more immediate time, I'm going to say. Like, <laughs> okay. I, didn't, I didn't want to timestamp an episode trying to find it. It was more a case yeah, of, what fair. did you say, just so I know immediately? <laughs> so, you, I mean, you don't listen to all three hours of our episodes? Oh, gee. How, how is everyone not constantly paying extreme attention to every single thing that we say for 180 we're so minutes? Yeah, we get to the point right back. back on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're circuitous. It's it's a part of our charm. Yeah. So we have yeah. said what happened that with her coming in and finding him dead with a sword through his chest. Mm. Sounds good. <laughs> what like because like is that sword the one that killed him and. If so, because he was never going to finish a sword again, so is he killed with an unfinished sword? And then, in my head, she's finished the sword and she's going to use it on his killer when she finds them. Tell me I'm wrong. That does that does sound like a pretty cool story, doesn't it? It, do, it does. Like just, I mean, you, I mean, you could just tell me if I'm right now, and then and then it'd be good. I will tell you that sounds like a pretty cool story. <laughs> <laughs> What's next on the docket? Um, I think we're about at the end of the faithful questions we have because a few of them like Sherman's already mentioned he can't, he can't discuss certain things mm. so like some of my questions is I'm gonna I'm gonna cross out. Um, so actually speaking of it we'll get, we're going into the Smiths next. 
Oh, it's Blacksmithville. Okay, let's go. It is. So, Vets in the Sword is what I've already asked you about. <laughs> so, we'll ignore that one. The, the one I wanted to ask, it's only a small thing, is does Bolt like being a blacksmith for the actual blacksmith oh, thing? Because it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't sound like he really wants to be a blacksmith. He's just really competitive, and this was something he could try and be the best at, but now he's found your ball. So, here's the thing, right? Bolt is a character who wants to win. Yeah. That's pretty much his thing. He wants to win whenever he does anything. He's this really—he's not a bad guy. He's not a douche for me. He just really loves winning. He's just a guy who's really driven, wants to be the best at everything he does. Now, the interesting thing is, is for him, it's like, okay, I'm going to become an apprentice for the blacksmiths. Very prestigious, you know, kind of great thing. I have to compete against people. I have to beat them to get my role. Fantastic. And that's what he's doing. The downside to this, of course, is that he, he gets there and then realizes that actually being a smith is about patience which is not yeah. necessarily something that he has. You, you can't um, win against, or pun intended, beat metal. You can't just, you don't you don't win at being a blacksmith. It's not like that, it's not a competition. Yeah, it's, exactly, you've got it. And so whether that, how well that fits with him is really going to be, I, I think it's going to test to how he grows as a character. I mean, we can always, we can see with someone like, um, with someone like Sledge, for example, where and again, no pun intended, you're getting one anyway, it kind of, all that fury and all that resentment and all the other stuff he had was beaten out of him by Anvil. It was just yeah. taken and sort of, you know, it just refocused and he kind of ended up being, you know, a much more different, much more mature individual. Now, the interesting question is, do we think that Faris can do the same? Perhaps, perhaps she can't. We also have competing other things. I mean, we know that Faris and Bolt especially have ties to the watch. Now, it might well be that those two, can, for example, then go off to, uh, well, Bolt perhaps finds more focus in I'm going to join up with the Watch, I'm going to leave Guildhall. Ah, oh, maybe. And I'm, I'm basically going to go and hunt down criminals. I imagine that's going to be quite a thrill for a guy who's like, you know, wants to win all the time. Bolt man! Would, would he leave Guildhall or would he play for the Watch Miner that we think might come? I don't know. It depends, on what, it depends if the Watch Miner comes, doesn't it? Uh, does yes, it, it, it does. It? Will, and it? Would, will it? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm getting guards, guards. We had to ask. <laughs> so, well, that's... Should we do a little bit on each of the... Oh, well, I suppose we've had that, really. So, well, you've had that, though. Yeah, yeah. we have. Yes, so, Barry. God, what we wanted to ask was, like you've said, where we've got Faris, uh, Bolt, and, in, and um, sorry, Ferrite, are involved yeah. with the watch. Hmm. Well, Ferrite, not so much anymore, but yeah. No, but she, but she was. Do any of the other blacksmiths, are they involved with any other guilds and sort of external to Guildwood, but also... Do any of the blacksmiths make the weapons for the other guilds? So we talked a little bit about this um, in the blacksmith intro story, I think, where we kind of have, after the Century Wars is over, uh, blacksmiths are basically forbidden for making weapons. The only way that they're ever making weapons is either they dabble on the black market and they're kind of very underhand about what they do, someone like Half. Mm. Or alternatively, we have a character, or we alternatively we have them, the blacksmiths kind of, because they can't exist in these sort of grand workshops or these grand smithies anymore. They kind of have to go out and attach themselves to other institutions like guilds or the watch or you know, somewhere else where they can actually then, under contract, make weapons and that's how they do their, okay. their trade. So we envision oh, that all of the master, all of the weaponry that's made is going to be made by a blacksmith out there somewhere. So yes, you would have that. Now, not necessarily any of our guild ball blacksmiths, because right. those guys are much prouder, they're much more... They're all kind of represent individuals who've kind of stepped away from those associations, those ties, and have almost gone back to their guild um, to kind of set up shop of it, as it were. Right, cool. Okay. I quite, I just, I, that's what I wondered, whether they was like, oh, I've let, I make them for the butchers, and now I'm on the team. And, hmm. You know, the way that Anvil... We can, was, we, 
yeah, we can envision that out there somewhere is a is a butcher's, you know, is a blacksmith attached to the butcher's guild who makes their cleavers, makes their not even necessarily just for their guild ball team, but makes the weapons and the tools of their trade, mm. basically. It's because because you've written a few times about Anvil being like chums with Tapper. Well, I mean, yeah, if you have someone like Anvil, Anvil is an old character who will yeah. have you can imagine coming into contact with an awful lot of people in the same way that Tapper seems to know just about everybody and get on with them. Uh, we can assume that yeah, Anvil especially is a good old buddy of uh, of Tappers and various other people. Yeah, I like same I like as Grayscales as well. Yeah, I think him and Mallet are also they 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 yeah. There's a link there as well. He's like it seems like any of the old boys of Guild Ball, ta- or or old boys in general that like, are higher up in their guild, Tappers mates with, and he go he go goes have a few few drinks with them. Yeah, so, kind of. I mean, you can envision that most of like when you have a character who's been kicking around for a long enough period of time, Grayscales, Tapper, Mallet, Anvil. When you have a character who's been going along for a long enough time, they will have met other people during the games, during outside of that. They will yeah. have travelled out as emissaries or to kind of you know make contacts here, there, and everywhere. It's not you know this. There's not that much animosity between necessarily the actual guilds, and that's not uniform. Some of them just don't like anybody. But yeah. the morticians, for example, are very. Um, they're not particularly friends of anybody. Freaking but goodness. someone like the brewers, for example, are much more friendly, much more engaging. Yeah, alcohol does that. Yeah, you'll find that those guilds are kind of you know much more integrated than you think. Sorry, Barry looked at me a little bit strangely there because I started laughing at him for a minute. And the, re- the reason why is because I've noticed that he talks to the speakers like it's you. Okay. So, it's, like, so I'm, I'm sitting here sort of talking at the mic, but listening, listening to you. But Barry, Barry leans towards the speakers and looks at the speakers when he's speaking because that's where your voice is coming from. So it's very much like you've got like one of those, you know, like like a um, like a screen with your face on it. Or virtual something presence like, device. Like a virtual presence device. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Well, I, d- I just... Uh... I'm imagining showing here next to Maybe us. I'm just more impolite or, or detached. and I, it's Maybe it's just me, me being... Yeah, it's you. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely me. Next one. Uh, I didn't have too many more for the for the Smiths. I don't know if you guys have anything else you wanted to... No, I was really interested in the, that, like, the multi-guild thing. And there's obviously we yeah. can't know more about... Indeed not. ...things. Oh, one thing I did want to ask. It, how, old is, how old, roughly, is Burnish in relation to, say, Anvil, who's on, what, the other old boy? Because in his background piece... It seems Burnish like, is pretty old. Yeah, he's Burnish an old a young, dude. He's not a youngling. No, like all the old dudes in Gilmore seem to be. Well, generally, they're they're either really spry or freaking jacked and can lift three times their weight in steel. Like he's one of the ones I'd love an alt model for, actually. Burnish. Oh really? Yeah, I'd love like sort of like he's standing still, so like the like the he's holding the blower down, like he's knackered. His mask is up, and we <laughs> see this really cool, detailed old man face. And he's just, just like, like just it's the end of the game, and he's like, "Fuck me, I'm shattered. Get me an orange slice." <laughs> I, I think I love Big Daddy B because he, for me, he's that. In my head, he's kind of that World War One trencher kind gotcha. of thing. Okay. Like he's he's kind of got that whole kind of you know, don't call me sir, I have a job kind of thing. He's 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 very much that kind of old weary soldier, exactly what you've just said. Um, you know, he's been down with this for God knows how long, and that's pretty much what he does. I like that. Yeah, he, I, I like I liked his his background piece was sort of one of the one of the ones that didn't give you too much of an insight into or was it no it was cast maybe I'm thinking of into who, who they are because it's well they're kind of linked a lot of Burnish's yeah. background part for his story was about cast as such That's more it. than it was him yeah but it was yeah he served with cast's father yeah. and Car- he was thinking of maybe that cast's father would be would be somebody apprenticed and then he was killed in the, in that uh, that attack and he decided that he would adopt. Yeah. Adopt cast, so that's she's his adopted mm. daughter. No, it's cool. Yeah, all of the uh, Blacksmith Fluffies were amazing. I absolutely loved, loved them. Yeah, what was really interesting for me is I think once we had them all, the next tournament I went to, 
I had more fun picking my team and putting them down. Like, with that extra knowledge. I know it sounds dumb, but it's what these games are about. Well, this is why we have John here, because John would not understand this. But I yeah. said to him, I, it, I enjoy the game, and I can get so much more into the game when I understand the character or, and, and like know about the pieces I'm playing with. Yeah, it, it, sounds, it, really it might sound silly to some people, but when I when I stick Furnace down on the table, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, he's this real, he's got his, his really strict sort of code of honour, he's got faith, he's... He's he's got his own personal code of honor that, that he really yeah, rigidly yeah. adheres to, and I think right. So that's that's who he is, and I don't know if it affects how I play them. Probably not too much, but it's it's still really important to me in, in, in how much I can enjoy the game. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that's it's, it's different types of people, right? I'm yeah. unsurprisingly, as anyone who's ever played any game with me at all will tell you, I am the guy who wants to play with the story. I want to be the guy who kind of, you know, like I'm not going to put down two players opposite each other who don't get along because that's just not how it works, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and stuff like that. And I, I'm the guy who's kind of telling stories as I'm playing my game um, and doing that sort of stuff. Because for me, when I play game of Guildhall, I'm I'm sitting down and I'm enjoying what's happening and I'm sort of trying to, you know, win as everybody is. But I'm also, at the same time, I'm seeing potential stuff that sort of flares up. Like, um, one of the things I did to try and get the uh, to the Masons versus Farmer story right in Season 3 is I sat there and I had an afternoon of playing Dan Harwood, our current British champion, about, I think, six times in the space of about four hours. <laughs> literally, okay. just, literally just saying, so how does your Masons team work, Dan? And that's pretty much it. That's what dude, that's what gave me the stories for what actually happened in that game. I like it. That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Um, because I wanted it to accurately go in. Mean, obviously, our, our stories have to accurately reflect what happens in the game, what happens on the pitch, and all the other stuff. Yeah, that's true. Because if yeah, stuff you don't want stuff going on in the in the background. People think, well, that physically can't happen. How does that work? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you've got it. One of the one of the interesting things we originally had that people kind of flagged up and is regrettable because I'd love to change it, but I can't obviously because it's gone to print. Was in season one, we have uh, in the final, Flint literally scores a goal from from the kickoff, and the reason of that was because originally back then you were and the you were actually on the centre line when you were making kickoff. Oh, and and players' kicks were a lot longer, an awful lot longer. So when that was written, it was very different. The same with the takeouts versus goals thing in season one. Uh, originally, takeouts was was something you could do, and it obviously gave you an advantage. But scoring goals was the only way to score VPs. That scoring sounds awful. I'm so glad that changed. <laughs> scoring scoring victory points um, from um, killing came relatively late in the process, or at least after I'd finished writing all of my bits and pieces, okay. which is why it's not accurately reflected in season one. That makes a lot of sense. That's an interesting insight. Because, I mean, talking about the, the, the background informing how you play and what you play, it, it might sound, again, silly to some people to say, but it actually causes me a little bit, like, internally I rebel very slightly when I played Furnace with Veteran Cinder. Mm. Knowing yeah. that Furnace had to die for me to get a veteran Cinder. Yeah, that's the other one. We've talked about doing stuff like Guildhall campaign weekends and stuff before, where rather than a tournament, it'd be more like a story-driven thing. The, the the problem you would have with that is you're basically saying to coaches, you have to over, you know, someone like yourself would totally get it. Um, yeah. But other people, you're kind of saying to them, okay, so bring the whole bunch of your team, but you aren't going to be able to play your favourite character sometimes because they're <laughs> yeah. injured or whatever right. else. I'll so I can see that's not dead. necessarily for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like it. Um, should we ask about the draft? Yeah, that was that was one of the later ones I had. Well, yeah. So we are super fucking excited for it. We'd be speculating we, madly, but we also don't really fucking understand it. 
and we keep speaking. <laughs> but we're, we're really excited, <laughs> but we don't know what's going on, and we're so keen. We should be excited. It's going to be the best thing ever. We don't know why. Correct. Exactly. Correct. It's going to be yeah. so good. But why? I don't know. Excitement. And we've been talking. Excitement is the same as mine. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about it. But this. you understand it because we've talked to a few people, and like a few people are hard. Like this is 100 percent it. Then you talk to someone else, and like it's literally this, and it's different. So we were hoping for a little bit of a clarification. Sure. Well, so if I if I go and you guys ask me questions at the end, do you want me to do yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, narratively, and this is spoiler-tastic because you guys are the first people to have this. So if you can imagine this world of Guild Ball, the, the way that a new player joins the Guild is something like a Shadow Games. So a, a new rookie player appears from somewhere, whether that's in the lower leagues, whether that's you know completely out of the blue, it's a returning soldier from some war somewhere else, as we see in the Century Wars, anything else like that, basically a Shadow Games erupts. And that's when all of the Guilds are vying for that particular sort of player trying to you know trade off the most influence trade off the most kind of um you know amongst each other really sort of trying to vie against their competitors against their competitors until eventually they just take this player as gotcha. in that's going to be on our team and that's where someone like grayscale's entry point into the fisherman's guild was they won the shadow games to get older player cool now in the contemporary world of guild ball while shadow games is still a thing we obviously haven't seen that for a little while and we've now got a different type of shadow games and the reason we have is because some mysterious benefactor has started has formed the world's first academy. A so mysterious a benefactor. Academy. A mysterious benefactor Ooh. has formed the world's first uh, Guildball Academy, and that's where you have lots of these young rookies, these young sort of you know up and coming players, maybe or maybe they're just not you know some kids who are off the street or whatever else, and they've kind of come to this place, and they literally practice Guildball, they you know, play games against each other. And they're doing it for scouts who, you know, inquisitive oh. guilds have kind of sent. And of course, as soon as one scout, one guild sends a scout, they all have to because that's how it works. You can't be seen to have a disadvantage, even if you don't think it will go anywhere. They can't do that once. Or two. You know, everyone has to do it. That's cool. So all of the guilds are kind of coming to these training grounds, the proving grounds, to see these rookies playing each other, kind of see what's going on with it all. And the result of that is going to be the first, I mean, what will be annual in our storyline, certainly, uh, Free Cities Draft. Ooh. which is where all of the guilds are vying to get one of these players that is actually at the current Rookie Academy, uh, this season's effective uh, players, in the draft. Okay. Now, unlike at normal Shadow Games, where there's only one player available and they're competing against each other for that, there's a couple of things they're vying for. The first one is there's a whole bunch of rookies now. Yeah. And so instead, they're vying to see who's going to get, who's got the most political clout, who's got the most kind of intro, uh, political intrigue and most um, influence amongst their rivals and various nobilities and everything else to basically say who's the most, uh, who gets the prestigious first pick, which guild is going to be able to go there and go, we want that one. And yeah. that's our rookie. And that's who they get. And obviously, it's going to go in a scaling ascendancy. So basically, we'll have, you know, the, the guild who's got into the second position will then say, well, we'll take the next one from this list, and so on. And that's what we're looking at with the Free Cities Draft. So mechanically, how does this thing work? Which is what you're really asking. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll have to, yeah, yeah, because we don't care about your stuff. Uh, well, whoa, whoa, <laughs> no, steady, no, no, steady. Yeah, I, I, I've okay. lifted the table a good couple of Matthew inches off the ground. Matthew went six o'clock to midnight. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> okay, cool. So the way it mechanically works, um, the same way as with Union Chains, uh, where you reported your game, and what guild you're playing for. And this is the part of the connection seems to be breaking up, so hopefully you've recorded. We can but anyway, we have... Um, yeah. It's the same way as we had with the Union Chains. You report your games uh, and say what guild you're playing for, and you also report what rookie you would like. 
and in the run-ups to this, you'll get to meet all of these different rookies, um, and they all have different positions they play in, and you'll have a little bit of story about who they are, and you'll get to know them as characters, that sort of stuff, over the course of the uh, campaign. We'll have stories and so on, the same as you normally expect. And then basically, it's whoever has reported uh, the most games at the end, as in for all of the guilds, whoever's reported the most, they get first pick. And the the player they will get is the one that most the one the player that most of their players have requested. If you can envision a pie chart for each different rookie, yeah, yep. or sorry for each, for each guild, which basically has um, who what rookie is the most important one to them, if that makes sense. So if we say that there's a rookie called I'm trying to think of a name. We'll go, let's say we'll call one Knuckles. Okay. Um, to clarify, me. is there one called Knuckles? There potentially could be one called Knuckles. I already want him. And Sonic. Are they, yeah, are they an echidna? This is the important bit. It's like human form, echidna form. Like we, need, we, need, we need to know. Who knows? Who knows? So, so let's say we have Knuckles, right? So if the Masons report the most games uh, of all of the other guilds, and Knuckles is the rookie that the most player of their players have, have basically said we want on our team. Okay. Then at the end, uh, then when the draft comes, they'll get that player. Uh, now it doesn't matter. If, say the second team, and let's say that's the fishermen. They also had the most of their players, so we want to get Knuckles. Tough luck. They don't get Knuckles because Knuckles already went to the Masons, so they're going yeah. to get their second highest rate. You get ranked. tailed. <laughs> Unlucky. You get yeah. Well, if that works, that's the way it works. You get the next player on. And so on. And that's cool. basically how it goes. So you can imagine the, the guild in 10th place literally get what they're left with. Because yeah, all of the other no rookies other at that stage will have been gone. So really in terms of what place. we'll receive, it's effectively artwork of them as a person, but not configured towards a particular guild. So they... Just, yeah, so they, these players aren't going to be configured towards anything. They're, it's literally completely and totally grey at this point in time what they look like. So if you can imagine each of the rookies, obviously they'll have, their, they'll have the way they look as in the story is and so on, but for anything like um, artwork and stuff, I don't know if we're necessarily going to have like full body artwork or anything. Imagine them like in a football kit, generic yeah. football kit. That's yes. what they're playing. And exactly. you can imagine that once we actually know what guild they're going to, obviously the sculpts will reflect closer to what they actually are. But will we get... So if in our example, Mason Knuckles, for example, I'm guessing is going to be covered in a ton of armour yeah. and look really, really beefy. But will we get, for example, any indication of how they might play or or their yep. sort of their style? Because obviously that can inform it. Because if you get, say, you've got one player who's a really fast, agile little striker who does doesn't do any damage and he's just and he's dodgy all over the place, the Brewers might think, well, that's not really what we do. Like, can't, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much trouble I'll get in telling you this, but I will. I will tell you anyway. So basically, in the run-up to the campaign, before it begins, you're going to get scouting reports for each of these rookies. Oh, I like that. So at that point, you can then read about who they are, um, as a scout would say, so nothing too in-depth, but enough saying a little bit about who they are and in their backgrounds, um, what kind of temperament they have, exactly the sort of thing you'd find in a normal scouting report, yeah. so from a, football, from a football scout. So what sort of temperament they have and how they might fit on a team, what they're good at, what they're bad at, uh, what position they play in, how old they are, that sort of stuff. Love it. I think for me that was the sticky wicket. I didn't understand, but like a scout, that scouting report, that makes perfect sense. Love that. So as soon as the as soon as the campaign begins, you guys can start putting in. Now for me, what's the coolest part I think about this is it's going to force our community, our wonderful community, to get together and start talking to each other and kind of say, well, who do we want? Yeah. Like we already saw last year, for example, the Brewers 
just decided, yeah, well, we're getting decimate and no one's stopping. <laughs> I was so happy with that. And, yeah, and all that, the that, that was just the most amazing thing. Yeah. And what's, what's nice about it is that I think we're going to see that again. But for example, it's better, it's different though. It's not just a case of, well, we just report the most results and then we're fine. It's we've now got to talk to each other about what rookie we want, because if we're divided, then chances are we don't necessarily end up with the one that all of us want. Yeah. That's going to be so, interesting, moaning on Facebook. I love it. Not just that, the forums are going to actually get used like properly because they've, they've been a little bit quiet since since the um, mm. the, the union change thing. I think they've got they've, they've been a little more quiet. So I'm, I'm looking forward to them exploding again. Which yeah, I mean, I've already seen some of the Hunters guys, for example, talking about what type of player they would want. Um, and a yeah. couple of... Um, There's a guy who I uh, used to play a lot of games with called Toby who's recently started playing the game again. And he's very, very into it, as far as I can tell. And he's he's posting a lot of stuff about what type of player we want, that sort of stuff. And that's really good, because that's cool, because that's exactly the sort of discourse and the sort of conversation that I think we should have. Yeah. Like having a single, having like champions within the guild going, hey guys, yeah, we really want Knuckles, or we really want whoever the other players might be, for X, Y, or Z reason. Because it's worth remembering, sometimes you're going to look at a player and go, we really want this player because you know that's the position we want. So maybe we really want the goalkeeper. For example, yeah. you might have a player. You go story-wise, we've got to have that player. In the same sense as the the Brewers looked at Decimate and went, "She's one of us. That's ours. She's know, going home. Hands off. <laughs> She's coming home." Then maybe like that happens again. Who knows? With another guild, for example. And then there's going to be some players where you look at them and like, well, you know, like I don't really care about the, who they play for, and I don't really care. So used to play for or used to be, and I don't really care about their play style. I just really want a pirate, for example, or whatever <laughs> I mean, else. That and sounds that's, pretty solid. So for me, that, so for me, that's that's the interesting part. Is going to be seeing what happens there. Oh, yeah, I mean, so in terms of blacksmiths, I find it interesting. Is if they're a rookie, that means that when they come in, they effectively have to be an apprentice. Would yes, you say? That's a good point. So, Unless they're an older character. I haven't said that rookies are exclusively young. But this, yeah, of course. But this is this is what I was thinking, and then you made the right point to me in that they would then have to have been a blacksmith who enrolled in the camp yeah. and uh, as a master, but then enrolled in the camp, became a rookie player. Well, at it's worth pointing out the blacksmiths are kind of going through some changes to see who, you know, as to adapt to this world of guild ball they now find themselves in. So it might well be that those those guys actually then need to accept, well, perhaps we don't always have to have master's apprentices. Oh, um, fruity. Now I'm... Both alarmed and excited. <laughs> Journeyman. So, Journeyman. That's, that's just purely supposition. No, of course. That's yeah. <laughs> so, no, you no. see my point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're taking everything verbatim that you say. So, in <laughs> terms of the mysterious benefactor, do oh, you do you know who it is? Yes. Okay. Is it obvious? <laughs> what a random left field query. Well, I'm just worried that when we looked at like last year's thing, it was like obvious. Just okay. I'll just do what the fuck I want because I'm obvious. And yeah, I'll be speaking to the community directly. Yes, that was I, fun. I love the fourth wall break. It was. I'm, ner I'm nervous that it'll be like we love this, and obviously go. How about fuck you all? I just want what I want. No, no, I will happily help you with this. There are no swerves, none whatsoever. Right, good. not unless exactly what happened last year, which is Matt sits down with me and says we're going to swerve them. Um, <laughs> 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 Was that the actual conversation? Did he just sit you down and like, right, we're gonna we're gonna swerve these bastards. They're gonna no, like, no me, one's gonna see that. No, this. no, he asked me to go over to his house and made me a cup of tea, then he did that. <laughs> um, no, so Is it are they church related? Okay, you can have that one, no. 
This is guess who. We're flipping down <laughs> yeah, all the players. Do the they have a moustache? Yeah, that's the last one. They're Fair. not having. They're not church related. And it's not obvious. That's fine. Okay. No, obvious isn't going to swerve it. The, right. Yeah. The, the other. The other thing I would. <laughs> I think I think the title of the episode is just right. Let's swerve them. Like that, that's that's the episode title right there. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask is, I, it was I think um, this was the case from the from the video um, that I saw of the presentation at nationals. But I was again a mm. bit drunk when I heard it. So well, it's on YouTube. You can watch it over and over. Yeah, I'll have to have double shape. But I'll, I'll, I've got you here, show and like, why, why are you here? We're not going to quiz you. And yeah, sure, let's do that. And be slightly, slightly annoying. What you, what you should do, right, is you perhaps you could do. You could play the video at the start with the music, and I guess you guys, do you put, do you put your videos out on YouTube for this stuff, or do you just no. do podcasts? No, no, I just no, podcast. I don't think we ever have. We okay, so you in which case you're going to have to narrate it. Maybe you can play the music at the beginning, or have like a, a moment where you play the music and narrate what's happening in the. Uh, <laughs> And kind of lead in that way. But yeah, sure, what's the question? The only thing I wanted to check was, am I right in thinking that each player is going to have like a rookie version and just a player version? So when they go to the guilds, there'll be four players. Okay. Like technically, ignore the, the term rookie is really for our narrative campaign. Yes. It, it fits background rather with who they would be. Because um, obviously they're not a full player yet. When they go into the guild themselves, they will be a full fledged player so they're not like a rookie who comes in and they're less powerful than other players or anything else along those lines so they're not like rookie mash etc all the other existing rookies they're not like that they are no, designed no, no, no. for they'll, they'll to be a brand play. new player for the team brilliant um, do you know time frames on what well, let me rephrase that can you tell us time frames on when we might start prepping for this uh, what in terms of your games and trying to win players? Yeah, when we might see a scouting report. Oh, I see scouting report wise. Uh, that part I can tell you. I can tell you the campaign begins on the twenty fourth of September. Uh, that's on the trailer, so that's not new information. I'm just a more. Um, but yeah, so we wanted this to be something which runs uh, over SteamCon US and SteamCon UK. Right. So the end so of So basically, pe UK. people will people at uh, both events will be able to do that. Great. That was that's it. Good. That's that was what we were, yeah, just think. We assumed yeah. it was, but... Yeah, when the, when the players come out, it'll be like months after that, because there's like freaking 10 players yeah, to, yeah. to play test and design. But yeah, it was more like, when when can we start doing this? Because I'm now really excited and I want yeah, to Yeah, it. it does sound baller as fuck. I like this. Well, basically, the th we kind of talked ourselves into a bad place in the sense that Union Chains was such a runaway success. The same as Butcher Civil War, actually. Butcher Civil War was, was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of had... Um, Union, uh, union chains and that was so much fun but then we kind of sat there and went right so what we could do this year guys how do we well, top it has to has to be bigger <laughs> yeah it is the I, danger I isn't it, it for me it was for me i kind of sat there and uh, in the nfl every so often i quite enjoy um games of that and they obviously yeah. have the draft that goes there and one of the things that always happens around the nfl drafts is you have these people kind of just arguing with each other, these fans, these incredibly passionate people saying, <laughs> yeah. our, our team needs X, Y, or Z position. You know, we need a new quarterback. I know we need new whatever. We need this guy, we need that guy. And I kind of find myself sitting there going, people do that with Gilbor as well. Like, they, they kind of, people kind of say, we want a striker in our team. We need a goalkeeper. We need, you know, a central midfielder. We need a defender. We need what X, you know, we need a player who does this or that yeah. or anything else. And it's something dawned upon me. I was like, Jamie, why can't we... Why can't we do that? We were talking one day about what this campaign could be, and it kind of went, well, how about we give the people the choice of what they want? Like, we, you know, it's like, you guys have played your games. You guys 
yeah, like, here's the thing, right? You guys play the games. You guys, you know, know your teams. You guys talk about the stuff. You get excited about the stuff. You integrate with other people in your community. So yeah, you all kind of, you know, we're all passionate people about Guild Ball, right? So how about we sit there and go, you know what? Whenever we release anything, there's always a whole bunch of people who will say, well, that isn't the player I wanted to get for whatever reason, <laughs> as well as there are people who love that, right? So here's your chance. If, you, if you're that inspired, you go, you know what? We want this player. And tell us, this is your chance to get that player. Quit your bitching and back yourself. Just freaking you do it then. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but you see where I'm coming from. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm saying is, that. <laughs> this, this, is, this is literally it. This is kind of, you know, you guys play the games, you guys know what you want, so now this is your chance to get it. Hmm. Yeah. I, there was definitely some chat on the Blacksmith's Facebook group, and I didn't join in because I was like, well, I've got hardly enough time picking a six now, let alone uh, another player. I don't know. I what, mean, yeah, choosing a Blacksmith's team is a nightmare. I haven't got a clue. And then if I'm going to switch to, like, there's. So you find that of everybody, though. It's interesting. Like I, I, so my teams I normally play tend to be hunters, engineers, and obviously order. But I've, I've given off those at the moment. There's a lot of uh, union teams, and I'd rush rather wait for their pure order. Yeah. Um, but I really struggle to make an engineer team because everybody is such a viable option, and the same with same with hunters. There's 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 no dead weight in those teams. Are you still and there's scarthering? So many great options. Sorry. Are you still scarthering? Are you on Theron? I don't touch the sun, bro. I'm all about skater. Yeah, yeah so. you do. You do love skater, don't you? She's my girl. Um, she, I, she's such a wonderful, wonderful player. Um, she, really... like, she, she literally, like, I, I think the best part about skater is that every single time you play any games with her, she changes the board state at any given point. Like, you, you, whatever she's doing, she's either speeding people up, she's moving them out of position, she's scoring goals herself, she's whatever she does. Any Skafer activation has the potential to completely change the game state for you and your opponent. Um, and you know, you almost see like your opponent like, whip out a calculator after doing new maths on things. <laughs> as soon as you kind of as soon as she has an activation or as soon as she starts doing anything. Because, you know, she's she's she's, she's the girl that got like minx a twenty four inch fret range sort of thing, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. So I think I'd really like to uh, I'd really like to give you a game sometime with Skafer, because it seems like most people don't rate her as as a captain. And I see I very rarely see her played. I've almost no experience of playing against her. In my head, I don't. I don't rate her as too much of a threat. So I'd really like to get a game against you at some point and just see see how you play her and see see if you can change my mind. That sounds cool. We'll do that. I'd like that. I've the only time I've ever played Skater was against Sherwin in a tournament, and he came up and you missed the kick with the snowball to threaten the ball turn one, <laughs> and that then yeah. it was like that was it. I felt bad for you. Yeah. Because I was like, wait, what? She's going to do what? Oh, yeah, she scores a goal. Like, the first thing you do, if Skafer kicks the ball, she scores a goal. The second, like, you get an activation and Skafer scores a goal. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. But, yeah, if you miss that four dice kick, which is just it's the end of the world. It is a kick in the dick. Yeah. It's painful. Yeah. And that's why S3, S4, rather, will be will be better. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we see how much she changes. But, like, with the half-range kicks, if she can be, have someone next to her for the snowball... Much more yeah. reliable. Be very handy mm. for her. So, is I think we're sort of done with our. Uh, I've got a couple more. Oh, sorry. I've got I was going to talk to, more. I was talk to show more about Gilbo in general, but sure. I mean, we can do. There's just. Uh, would you, do you want me to? No, what's your question? You sure? Okay. Well, there's just like a um, a couple of random missed ones. Um, so season three was kind of all about the farmers, really. Yeah, sure. It was. It was about their their rise from being the nobodies, the nothings. Then honor coming on board, and then rising, and then suddenly they're becoming the champions by the end of the by the end of the book. Yeah, can you can you give us or can you tell us which guild or guilds might be the focus of season four? 
I can tell you that we're certainly going to see some stuff about morticians. Okay. We're certainly going to see some stuff about the church. Uh, or the order, if we're going to teams. Uh, okay. We are certainly going to see some stuff about brewers. Oh, I like that. I like that. Uh, so, yes. I like that because I'm a, I'm a big fan of the brewers. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that we're getting a lot of love. That's great. Okay. Interesting. Um, and the... Uh, what, was the, what was the other one I had? Hang on. Oh, yeah. Um, is there any apprentice? Because obviously we, we've had Cinder almost become a master, but not quite. Is there any apprentice who, in your head, whose story lends themselves to maybe they'll become a master in the near future? Are we going to see anything else like mm. that? I don't think so. Um, Sledge is probably the closest, but I, I still think that we kind of see that he's got quite a way to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of our all of our current apprentices are very much, very much younger. Um, they're very young individuals. They're also individuals who, you know, they don't really feel like they're characters who are going to step up to being a master anytime soon. I mean, Iron, for example, is just impudent. Uh, doesn't really listen to anything. Just anyone an says. Yeah. We, we kind of we kind of have you know sort of bolt. We've already discussed. Might not even be a blacksmith for yeah. too much longer if he decides he wants to pursue other avenues. Yeah, and Sledge is probably the closest, but we're not necessarily getting there. And I don't necessarily know that we're even sort of seeing a true apprenticeship sort of story with Alloy. Yeah, that's the, that's one that I like. The, when I read his story after we had like little snippets of bits from Steamcon last year, and we read his story, and I was just like, is he even like? So he's from some sort of family that's allied or aligned or he's sort indentured, of pledged, to. indentured. That's the word to the yeah. to the blacksmiths. And he's like a huskal. He's he's just yeah. kind of an assassiny. It's kind of a hatchet man, yeah. Yeah, so, so and he, it doesn't actually seem like he's a, a a true blacksmith in any shape or form. There's no indication that he's mm-hmm. actually a smith. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, he's, well, he is. He's he's allied in the same way that all families and all most individuals are allied to one guild or another. He's definitely falls into the blacksmith there, but he yeah. doesn't in terms of the tradesman idea of a blacksmith. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, there we go. That, that was that was the last couple of things I wanted to ask. Basically, if you want, okay. Oh, one thing. Yeah. Or more uh, than one thing. You're allowed. <laughs> well, I just have the one. Is there? It's probably like far too broad, but is there a point in the story where that we've already had that you've seen that there are two paths that I can take on this writing-wise? You took one path, and the other path would have drastically changed. What a great question. So, like, probably the most yes. obvious one is like the. Yes, absolutely. Uh, however, the answer you're going to get is is one that I've alluded to before, which is the Butcher Civil War. If Philip had, if Philip had won that, then you certainly would not have Brisket anymore. Brisket be dead. So we had multiple we had multiple outcomes for that story, depending on whether we had significant Philip victory, minor Philip victory, as in close, yeah. um, a rough, a really really close result. Whether we had you know a minor brisket victory or a significant brisket victory, and there's various different outcomes that we had going on for what that was. Um, depend, obviously, we got the result we got. I mean, you could have, as a result of that, have no more ox. You could have had, as a result of that, no more Philip. You could have had a result of that, no more brisket. Now, for sure, a moment outside. I mean, you could argue maybe that no more ox. The ramifications purely contained within the butchers' guild, although possibly not, because that brings Sulphicians in a little bit differently. And would certainly, Jack we know the order would be dramatically different. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, exactly what we're talking about with captains, and that could therefore have a knock-on effect to minor guilds and all sorts. So absolutely, yes, that's probably the biggest hinge point, I think, in our story where I've looked at and gone, we could go multiple ways with this. Okay. Do you know, we've, I think we forgot to ask, like, about um, Brisket and her, move to, sure. and her move to the church. I don't think we actually asked oh. how that's been generated. That, that was in... It was in... Well, that, that's in season three. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, um, forgive me. You've got the Butcher Civil War stuff, and then yeah, you've yeah. got... She gets accosted in that way, I believe. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of that is kind of making a deal with the devil. Yeah. It's a case of, you oh. know, if you if you leave the butchers, if you do if you do our bidding, then Ox is free. So and it, if you don't, then that's that. And that, is that, she not the, scene. the meeting on the cliff? Oh, I love the beautiful that so scene. Much. I was nearly crying. <laughs> so is Brisket a believer? No. Right. It was just she did it because it it saved Ox and it meant that she didn't die. Well, that's that's quite interesting. Well, like, it's more so much she meant that she saved Ox. Yeah. I think in Brisket's mind, her death actually probably would have been released from this torment she now finds herself in. Oh yeah. But she's yeah. not the sort of character to just lay down and take it because she's that's not her. She's too freaking fighter. hardcore. She's, she's a character who wants to keep going. She's not about to kind of you know take an easier route just for the sake of her own comfort. That's cool. Well, can, can we talk to you now as less of Sherwin writer extraordinaire and more dude who plays Gilgal? Sure. Let's you, can take off, you can take off like a steam-forged hat. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, like. So it's basically, like, man, what, so you're playing, you've been playing Hunters, I know, and you were on order at Vengeance. Who are you planning for season four? See, it's difficult. I, uh, difficult. I've been playing, so my first Gilgal team were engineers. Right. Uh, my very first team were engineers. I played them for about... Six months, I think, uh, after the launch, uh, in the run-up to and after season, uh, as season one came out. Way back when, in fact, I started playing when Colossus could shoot a fireball, uh, <laughs> which is which is a very long time ago. Um, and then I kind of stopped, went to Butchers for a little bit, and kind of stayed with that, stuck with them until season two. Played a couple of games of season two uh, with Butchers, and then found myself going back to Engineers again. And sort of dotted, but I sort of dotted around various different other guilds. Um, the interesting point is, I keep finding myself. I always end up going back to my engineers. Um, like now, for example, it's interesting. You said I've been playing some hunters for the last little while. I kind of haven't played for a bit because of just bits of life and other stuff gets in the way. Yeah. Um, I end up playing. Um, I end up sort of you know picking up my engineers for uh, the uh, the UK nationals, and oh, okay. did reasonably well with them. Um, and then also played them at the most recent couple of games I've had as well. I had a lot of fun using them. I've just started painting a blacksmith, uh, blacksmith team. I think that's an excellent so maybe them. I've obviously got the order to... I'll be much more excited about playing the order once Season 4 drops in their pure order. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my head. Um, so those guys, are. I don't think I'm ever going to take them off the table. I've got a whole bunch of Falconers, which I'm toying around with painting, but... I have a fear that if I paint those guys and start playing them, I might not go back to Hunters. Um, oh, okay. Because I, I like I like the intimacy of what the Minor Guilds present, I think, uh, quite a lot. I get that. I'm very, exci- I'm very, I'm very excited about playing the, uh, about playing the Cooks. Um, and I'm really, really, really excited about a couple of guilds you guys don't know about yet. Oh, well, tease. Well, if you're an engineer, <laughs> we kind of know that Engineers is the next Minor to be revealed. So I guess you'd be on them if you're well into your engineers right now. Uh, not necessarily, to be fair. As I've just said with the hunters, I, I, if I start playing a minor, I'm not sure 
I find myself playing the major guild anymore. Well, this is so, my, my excitement for the Brewers Minor Guild. I have no idea what it is, when it's coming, but I'm I'm already excited about the idea <laughs> of it. And it's just, it's so far down the line, or however far it is. I'm so excited for it, and I, I just, oh, I want it, I want it now. So, and I'm hoping one of the ones that you're excited for, and it's like one of the next couple of guilds down the line, is one of those. Mm. Have you been so when you're playing at work? Do you have you been playing season four for a little while now? Do you bother playing season three, like in work games, not in the forge, but like? Uh, well, for the most part, I mean, I I don't work obviously out of the office, so no, I don't play a lot of those guys anyway. Um, my games are pretty much all season three in this part of the world, purely because I don't. There's a couple of playtesters here and there I can sort of play sit down and play games with, but for the most part. I don't really uh, indulge too much in playtesting stuff. I've played some season four stuff when I've been in mm. HQ, um, because most of the stuff that goes on behind closed doors there is obviously testing in the run up to season four. Yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, that's really sort of one for Perkins rather than me, I'm afraid. Mm, no, just because we played a little bit. We went to the first playtest uh, weekend, and we Ooh, played a little bit. Fun? Yeah, loved it, man. Absolutely loved it. And but the problem is now I'm just like I just want season four, and I want it now. And I'm finding it hard not playing because <laughs> well, we've um, we've been given obviously now in the blog post we've been given all the season four court rules changes court at rules, least the yeah. ones as far as we know like um, we, there could be a couple more but who knows but it seems like that's the balance of them and it is yeah it's 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 really encouraging to see because it's a lot of stuff well, there's a quite a few thinking in there that I've been thinking oh this would be nice if it was changed and then this is yeah. it turns out those are getting changed I think that's great and there's a couple in there that I didn't even know I wanted. Or little little tweaks that are brilliant designs. The like new cards. The new cards is exactly what I was thinking of, and it's so much easier to. Well, they're just they're just easier to read, more pleasing. But it's not like most of the cards were exactly difficult before, but it, that subtle increase is is very welcome. But it, like things like the momentum on kickoff, that's going to make such a difference to the game. Mm. It's going to be so. Much- I, I think I think Jamie I think Jamie and the guys have done an amazing job with season four. Agreed. Um, having having seen the rules changes that are proposed, or going in, I should say, having seen the the changes that has been made to the characters and so on, they've done a really, really, really good job. It's such an exciting time to be a Guildhall player because not that, the, not that the game needs a breath of fresh air in any stretch of the imagination, but it's absolutely getting one. Um, in the same way as we all got excited about Season 3, mm. we're all going to get excited about Season 4 as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think... Because this year... I've played nothing but blacksmiths at tournaments. And next season, I am committing to playing a different guild. Like, I can't play the same guild at two events in a row. And So can you alternate, or do you got to play I can alternate. Guilds? I can alternate. So I'm thinking Order, Blacksmiths, and Alchemists are currently the three. And I think mm. I have to go, like, one, two, three. One, two, three. I've got to do it that way to force myself to mix and match. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have just reminded me that I played an alchemist guild in preparation to take to the UK Nationals, then didn't. <laughs> so, alchemist is a lot of fun. Um, I, yeah, I think they're interesting. I might find myself playing them for a bit. Well, yeah, I, I, throw, I throw Falcons in the mix as well. They're super fun. Yeah, but especially seeing as like we know that season four they're going to be at least different in some way. They're getting some. Yeah, they're getting revised as in in terms of the the, the way they play. Yeah. So to clarify for sure, Perkins has already told us. That they're like 
getting the biggest rework of all the teams this this season. They're getting an engineer's season three level rework. I yeah, yes. I think that's fair. I think that's a very fair statement. Yeah, and he was saying how like how um, calculus's car, you know, like he told us like Midas might have a similar thing on a legendary to do with burning and da 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 da. So the idea that these conditions to pay for things might be a thing and. Mm. I'm really interested. I like the idea of c- using conditions, condition bending. So like you taking conditions off people, using them and like mm. moving you, what? throwing them at other people. Yeah. I don't know. I, one of the things I first did, I, I played a few games of Alchemist now. I played um, I played Veteran uh, Calculus a couple of times and I, I literally got my phone out texting Jamie during the second game. Her design is so good. She's <laughs> brilliant. She's literally brilliant. She's so much fun to use. I fear that just the, just the kapow kick is just so good. <laughs> God, so much poison, and I fear, I really fear sticky bomb. It's I just that, like an AOE of minus two move that just hits you, and then it's stuck on you. You you're fucked. Mm, you like, hate season one. What, what's what's so good? What's so good about her is what's so good about calculus and the sticky bomb. To be fair, she's got the same thing that makes Egret so good as well, which is that. You give her to influence, and if she can get the ball, then that's great. She can sprint and shoot a goal. If she can't get the ball, then she still does something with that influence. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. I, I look at other strikers. I look at Flint, for example. You give him, you have to give him influence so he can do stuff. But if he can't get the ball, then it's wasted effectively because he, all he's doing is a wedge go and a sprint or something along those lines. Yeah. It's very rare that Flint ever attacks anything. Um, whereas Egret, you give her to influence. If she can't get the ball, she just poisoning someone or flurrying yeah. something or whatever else absolutely um, yeah and same same true Sticky Bomb or and Sticky Bomb has even more utility because obviously at that point you can then halfway through the turn go well I kind of want to score a goal but I also need to slow down you know X, Y or Z so that's what I'll do but I, I think so for me though, the three guilds I'm talking about so in terms of order and I football blacksmith in terms of Alks it feels like they're going to be well I'm and I don't know this I'm hoping Midas is back and they're going to be full football all the time. So when you've got those half kicks, it feels like that's going to really help, certainly with order. Mm. I've never really sort of suffered a little bit from the uh, from order because you've got such good kicks all over the place. I agree with you. I think the interesting thing I've seen is that most of the teams I play, I, I play a football game when I play Guild Ball. I, I very rarely do I do any takeouts at all. Um, but... I think most of the teams I end up playing, they are order, they are engineers, um, you know, they are Scafer. Yeah, she's her own team. Like they've got four yeah. dice kicks anyway, so the extra bit isn't necessarily it's you're super useful, but it's not like um, it's not massive as as big for those teams as you'd expect. Well, John manages to miss four dice kicks on a very regular basis. Well, you just gave me an example of Scafer missing hers as well. Yeah, so true. to be fair, it happens. True, true. I'm just thinking like the pot belly pass becomes a lot happier at threes. It's fair. That does depend on where you're kicking it to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I re- I can't wait. I've only tried that team once, and because mm. I've sort of said I'm going to wait, like you were saying, for season four. But I think order are going to be my main team for next season. I, I've played a few games against a rage with with the order included, a, a rage order. team. Yeah, so it's oh, well, that's, that's that's not an order team though. Is it's it? no, not. It's really not. You're but bad and you're wrong. If you're it's so terrifying. Well, to be honest, you, there's so little you can do against it. it feels we're like. actually a bit worried because obviously this weekend we've got the the southeast uh, sixty four man event, and we are a bit nervous about how many union are going to rock up with vets big. There's already and, quite a few union signed up. And thank you. Yeah, so we'll see because they are tough. That'd be fine. I mean. 
the, the important thing is, and you guys get it, you're going to have fun, you know, me with the people in the, you know, me with the people in the community and that sort of stuff. There's always going to be people who want to take the best models possible, and that's cool. I mean, that's just, you know, people play this game to win as well as having fun and stuff. Yeah, but the current audience, I, I know, I've played all of you guys at games, I think, by now. Um, all of you just want to have fun, and you're going to do that. It's going to be a great event. Yeah, really looking yeah. forward to it. They, they like, always we, do run a lovely event, uh, the old uh, Mid-Kent. Mid-Kent. Yeah, so it's yeah. a really nice venue, actually. Yeah. Really loads yeah. of for minis. 11 seconds from Kebab Shop. Is it, oh, is, it in the same, is it in the same hall, then, the 64 man? Is it in there? Yeah. I assume it would it's, be, but I just I wanted to check. I, I think we might be out on the that. patio as well. Oh, lovely. Can we have games outside today, sir? So See what the weather's going to be like. Outside. I think there's three right. spots left for it. Yeah, there's three. Yeah, there's still left. some. If you're, getting this, if you're getting this video out tomorrow, there's still time. They can buy. You can buy a ticket and turn up. There you go. Work. <laughs> and another minor plug. I believe they are organising a team tournament for some point in October, which we yeah, went last maybe. time. It was amazing. It was some of the most fun I've had. Yeah, we played you. That's where we played your that's team. That's where we played. Really. Yeah, yeah. That's where you played. I didn't play you at that one. I think you. I played Dan played no, I, I played yeah. uh, the Inquisitor over there. Yeah, the Inquisitor. <laughs> Inquisitor, I love that you. That's your title. Can we not? No, that's your fucking title, mate. That's I think that's Dan we're, the Inquisitor. We're going to get you a badge. I think that is fair. Um, <laughs> well, do you know what? I've just thought I might, I might ask Sherman to pop his Steamforged hat back on again. Okay. Oh. Is there anything you can tell us? Uh, about Steamcon and maybe some of the like a, a seminar you might be running or two. Will we get another background one? Will we get another this one? Da, 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 da. No. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so, so no. So Steamcon's been really cool. Um, I'm really, really, really looking forward to both of them. Um, yes, there absolutely will be seminars. Um, I can't say exactly what they are right now. No, I've got. Um, ask, but, but they're good. They're going to be happening. Right. You can take your hat back off now. I just yeah. remembered I had to ask you. I'm getting so excited for SteamCon. I can't wait for it. I keep, I keep sort of get, it, I forget about it for a little while. And then like a week or so later, I remember a SteamCon's only in X number of weeks. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting really excited. Yeah, I'm just hoping I don't miss out on the Thursday. I'm really nervous. I might miss on the Thursday now. Oh, really? Because of work? Yeah, because of this new job. We'll see. Oh. We'll see. But we'll have to get some games in when we're down there. With yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, has anyone any other questions? I mean, I'm sure the moment we put this down, I'm going to think of like, oh my god, I should have asked this. Oh yes, my god, I should oh, have asked why that. Say that, yeah, absolutely. But I think we've we've we have taken up a. I mean, it's short for a roll better episode, but it's probably longer than most of the interviews that Sherwin has to be, has to endure. <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's definitely the longest, but I've enjoyed this one immensely. You guys have asked intuitive and sensible questions. Hooray! That's Ooh. so off brand for us. I've, I've, then I've got a question. Is there a question that you thought we might ask? That we didn't, and if so, what? And if so, ask it to yourself and then answer. Correct. Uh, genuinely, I thought the question you were going to ask was going to be about the narrative campaign. So that's that's you've done it. You've, you've hit it all. Nailed the it. biscuit one. The biscuit one. I'm not going to lie. Was probably the best we've had. I mean, left um, bollocks. John's going to be so smug about that. <laughs> He's not going to listen to our episodes. He never has to know. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. If anyone, any listeners that are listening and, and think they, they just don't tell John about the biscuit thing being Sherwin's favourite, please just let us have this. He's going to listen. Well, th uh, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. That was, that was ace. That was great stuff. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. It was cool. And we well, we, we've, been, we've been talking about having you on. <laughs> since, since, since we started, we've been thinking, oh, it'd be great to have Sherwin on because, you know, the three of us are fluff monkeys. It'd be really great. And then we just haven't done it because we, we didn't think we were... Just me. The honest, no. Now, the honest truth yeah. is we didn't actually think anyone would listen, so we didn't bother 
like dreaming about it. But with people, well, now you can find out. To clarify, right? didn't it's not that we didn't think they'd listen to you. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not like oh well, we're on a show and no one will listen to this. That we didn't think anyone would listen to us. But we have some <laughs> listeners now, so we thought we would love to get Sherwin on. Yeah, we've been talking about it. Well, that's pretty cool. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And I think we'll, probably the next time we'll see you'll be at Steamcon. Uh, yeah, unless I come to random events and stuff and see you guys. We'll see yeah, what man. happens. We'll have a great Steamcon US and we'll see, see you at Steamcon UK. Yeah, sure. Nice. Fantastic. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Thanks for on. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. And I, I guess well, we've just given a nice, nice little whoop yeah. on, the, uh, on the recording. But that was that was brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I also thoroughly enjoyed that. I do like Sharon a lot. No, I just realised we didn't do. We didn't put our shout for questions, but that's probably okay because then yeah. we'd spend another hour, hour now answering questions. But I think yeah, we'll we'll release this as soon as we can. You know, Barry will do his best because he's the one who has to edit it because Dan and I are too inept. <laughs> um, yeah, and we'll we'll get it sorted, and hopefully you guys can all be listening to this pretty soon, as you are right now, and wondering why I'm talking about you'll be listening to this. Soon. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I might cut out. What I would like to say is thank you to uh, Rich, uh, don't touch the beard, Rich, and to Ed Churchman, because they both emailed <laughs> after oh, really? my um, big. As did Dyson. As did Dyson. Dyson yes. emailed too, but we like it doesn't count. He doesn't count. And a few He's people did gear. indeed click like on our Facebook page, and a few people did in click, indeed click follow on our Podbean. So, so thanks, guys. Really please appreciate it. Do continue to validate us, follow <laughs> us, like us, email us. All that shit, I don't know, other social media buzzwords, stuff Just like send that. Send us gifts for no reason. <laughs> Gif or gifts or gifts? I like either. Gifts. I'll take either. I okay. love gifts. You love a gif. You I do love, love a gif. You do love a gif. I've got a strong gif game. Hashtag the same. Most of the time. Uh, all the time. You've you've definitely hit some duff ones. A moment of accident. <laughs> content. Hashtag yeah, content. Hashtag powerful Gilmore content. Um, and on that note, please do roll better. Thank you.